We're live? Yes. Okay, fantastic. Episode 169, we are live today with the legendary Rick Sanchez from Miami who has a podcast called Rick Sanchez News on Apple Podcasts. He runs a company called Agua, another one that he was a CMO part of. You're upset. Am I hearing the sound now? Is that the intro? You guys are flipping it. They're messing with you? Are you? Is this a prank? The, the, the crew you. in the bank. Tell, tell us you. what you're doing. Can I go or no? You just, just got to give me yeah, the green. I apologize. We're good. Sorry. Okay, sounds good. So are we, we live are right good. now? Is this happening? No, listen. They're having one too many drinks in a pack, yeah, which is drinking. totally fine. It's, it's Rick, a lot of drinks. I mean, 6 a.m. never helped out with Anyway, like Rick this. Sanchez is on. If, you're, if you don't know him, you, you didn't watch... TV, I don't know, Miami, he's like, a, he Miami can't walk in the streets of Miami. legend, I grew up yeah. watching this but guy. But here's the kicker, though, the kicker that, that we just learned is he goes from being a guy with CNN, doing all the stuff that he's doing, the controversy with, uh, you know, Cooper or or John Stewart, which John said that's not a big deal, what he said, uh-huh. to being a CMO of a company that just went public, Kano uh, uh, Health. Uh, as a co-founder that just went public at $4.4 billion valuation, which is kind of cool. Bought himself a nice place. Won't tell you where it is, but uh, in a very good place. Mm-hmm. Rick, great to have you on, <laughs> on the podcast. It's great to be here, yeah. Pat. Yeah, you know, uh, I'm a fan. I, ever since you hit, you know, people say this to me all the time. I did not grow up watching you, by the way. <laughs> okay. So, Adam, did you get that? I, you know, I'm right there with you. But I, but I will say this, that you've had a very alluring effect on people ever since you've hit the airways, man. So you're doing a good job. I don't know what it is. But you, you draw people in, dude, so that's a very good thing. Apparently what Vinny and Adam tried to say today is what, what it is is most people can't guess my age, and apparently Adam's friends <laughs> think I'm in my mid-50s, late-50s. Shocked that he's in his early 40s. Shocked. Shocked that he's in his people, early 40s. Like, and, but it's not that you seem old. It's just Listen, you carry yourself he with this said it. Don't wise try to demeanor. from yeah. it. You already took Listen. the shot. Own it up. You know, yeah. it's totally fine. I shoot I myself old. in the foot I'm more okay. than anybody. And I even said it before, like he being this big, this big of a personality, this big just as a person, he can he cannot be nothing else but being this guy. Like Pat, Pat can't be a freaking Uber driver because how he, a you wouldn't fit in the car. But number two, this you what else I'd, would you do? I'd, I'd be the I'd be the leader in five stars. Though. I'd have one hundred percent. You'd have wait. You're you're waters out. You're Middle Eastern. Like would everybody gets sing charged for them. You. I would I tell have, them jokes. I have any charge you in the back seat. <laughs> By the way, I can see you as a funny as hell Uber driver. If we did like a mock, we, we tested him. We we get him to be an Uber driver for them. We record it. That should be freaking hilarious. One hundred percent. FYI. Uber what, driver what? in Hialeah, by the <laughs> yeah. way. Yeah, I'm in. in, I'm in. Hey, so yeah. so Vinny's got a new thing coming out, guys. I, I just want to preface this. Please do not be offended when it comes out. And if you are, ah. I'm totally okay with that. Yeah. So Vinny's got a new skit coming out. And <laughs> I'm I'm on the road. Well, I don't know where I'm at. I'm on the road. I get a text message sent to me with a picture saying, Vinny's, no joke, <laughs> Vinny's walking around the office in a G-string. <laughs> I don't know what that this is. is I have no clue what yeah. this is. It's the story of who? What the guy? Hey, what's okay, the guy's? So I, I don't want to give away too much, but a guy that works in the office, Rick, and he was in a, a freak paper shredding accident. Yeah. But he's one of those guys that just loves his job. They brought yeah. him back, and he just said, listen, I don't want to sue. Just let me keep my job, and just don't make me feel weird at work. And he's in the office, and he doesn't have any arms, so you can imagine what he uses. Anyway, so <laughs> it's going to be interesting to see how the audience responds to it. Anyways, we've got a lot of things to cover today. Rick, I want to get some of uh, your thoughts and feedbacks. I, obviously, you being from uh, you being Cuban, uh, uh, I want to know who the most influential Hispanic is that's dictating the direction politics are going 
in the fastest growing community in America, which is Hispanics. It's the most important vote today that both sides are trying to win over. Yeah. And they're paying very, very close attention to it. Uh, some events that took place in Highland Park. We have to talk about the tragic event that took place in Highland Park this week. And uh, uh, some of the stuff just makes no sense, by the way. Rogan's comments on Trump that he said he would never have him on the podcast. Mm-hmm. They've reached that. He said no. I'm going to hear some comments. We, we, had, we had a friendly wager on that. Yeah, we you did. attempted to. Yeah, we did. And you, but you said no, though. You said no. You chickened out last night. I thought minute. you were giving me good odds. And Why you would were I taking, give you I good know. odds? He said he would never do it. Why would I give you good we'll odds? We'll get into it. So anyways, rep, uh, 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 Adam Kinzinger releases explicit uh, laced audio of numerous calls to D.C., office threatening violence. Frustrated Democrats express alarm over Biden's powerlessness. Uh, tens of millions of people are on lockdown in China. Governor Newsom enjoys Montana vacation despite LGBTQ state travel ban. TikTok admits China-based employees can access over U.S. Uh, user data. This is a weird story, this next one. Largest teachers union. Florida is 9,000 teachers short hmm. for the upcoming school year. And then we got a couple other stories that we'll get into. So Let, Let's start with what you first mentioned, because I think that's really fascinating. Um, Latinos, right, in the United States. Because this goes to what you mentioned a little while ago with Cano Health as well. Um, it's a frustrating time to be a Latino in the United States. We're a community that is somewhat leaderless. And let me just give you some basic numbers. Uh, if you're at home taking notes, this is why I am now founding Agua Media with uh, the proceeds from Cano Health, essentially. I don't want to get a yacht and just go around the Caribbean. I want to do something that's important for this country, important as a Latino American who lives in the United States. And it's this. Look. We are the third fastest growing GDP in the world, only behind China and India and ahead of the United States itself. In case you missed that, let me say it again. Latinos in America, if they were a country, would be the third fastest growing GDP nationwide in the world ahead of the United States and only behind China and India and catching up. In terms of total GDP, Latinos in the United States are the seventh largest GDP if they were a nation in the world. And I know, because I know some of the folks at Stanford who are preparing the next report, that we're about to move up on that list. I mean, and when you look at Latinos in the United States, just just general numbers. Common age of a Latino in America, 11. Wow. Common age of a white Anglo-Saxon in America, 58. Where do you think the future lies? I mean, you, you can look at it from a consumer standpoint. I mean, the economics are literally undeniable at this point. And yet- Did you say 11? 11. Mm-hmm. Wow. Common age, according to the Pew study, of a Latino in America. And by the way, common age, not average age. Common age is What's more of a mode. It's a mode. So the mode is the combination of both the average and something else. So in other words, if you were to look at all the Latinos, what would be the one that would find that would be the age? 11. Which is which is without getting too much into the to the metrics, you're basically saying white people are getting older and they're dying soon, and, and Latinos, Latinos are getting are younger up. and hotter. Yeah, that, that's why there they hired him here. Yeah. That's exactly why he's. I, I thought it was more like Latinos have more sex than white people. I was just going to say they're, they're better they're at making babies. Hopefully, it's which, not the 11 year olds that are. Well, yeah. Yeah. I think the number. The, <laughs> keep it clean. We could do, look it up, but I think the number on that is that the you know if you want to say white people or whatever we want to call them 
have uh, index where they're not yet doing one, cre- recreating themselves. They're less than one person mm-hmm. in terms of breeding, right? Yeah. <laughs> to use a word that maybe we shouldn't. Yeah. But Latinos, on the other hand, are close to duplicating themselves almost to the point of two. So, yes, the Latinos have a, a tendency. Maybe it's the Catholic So, but please continue. These yeah. stats are very interesting. So, common age 11, Latino. Common age uh, white is 58. Here's another one that I think is fascinating. Uh, Latinos under the age of 41, 95% of them speak English. Under 80%, 41. Under 41, 95% speak English. Not down in Little Havana, bro. No, claro que no. <laughs> um, 80% are U.S. citizens. So the reason I'm saying these things is because it flies in the face of what we see on television, whether you're watching CNN or Rachel Maddow or uh, Sean Hannity. It's all the same. I mean, it, it's either looking at Latinos and patting them on the head and saying, good Latino, good Latino, yeah. very good, oh, we love you. Or, or on Fox News where they tend to be a little more aggressive in their coverage of Latino because everything is about the border and we got to shut it down because these people are coming over here. Either way, the representation doesn't exist. Less than 2% of the people who appear on cable news or national news are Latino. Whereas if you look at other cohorts, it's much, much higher. So let's just do the numbers. Latinos are 20% of the population of the United States. And in the next 10 years, we might be essentially one-fourth of the population. And yet Hollywood casts us 37% of the time as criminals. And 27% of the times as workers, losers, kind of people who are not successful. So they, in, in, in a sense, are putting into the mind of the American populace who we are. And then the cable news channels run with it and do all this other stuff. And what you have in the end is a lack of representation, you know, a lack of being able to understand what this cohort is that lives in America, which, by the way, was here before the pilgrims. Mm. The first Thanksgiving was celebrated by Spanish people in St. Augustine, not at Plymouth Rock in Massachusetts, and it was 70 years before. And there was actually a second one in Santa Fe, New Mexico. So the history of Latinos, the numbers of Latinos, the data that I'm sharing with you speaks to the fact that this is a cohort which is in many ways driving the U.S. economy. And as you said, Vince, mm-hmm. is going to be driving the next the, the, the U.S. economy for a long time. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's frustrating as a Latino uh, seeing this, having my experiences in big media. As you mentioned, I've worked at Fox. I've worked at all these places. And I've never seen them being able to grasp this. Now, when I left CNN and I had to do something and I used my brand, which I think is an interesting story, as you said, Patrick, where I was able to take the Rick Sanchez brand. People know who I am. I'm a pretty good writer. I know a little bit about marketing and I know a little bit about messaging because I've been doing it all my life. I've interviewed four presidents, Mikhail Gorbachev, Fidel Castro. I've got three Peabody's. I've got five Emmys. I know a little bit about this business. So I use that to help create a new healthcare company that we started that's just called Cano Health. And Cano Health has done very well, and we started, and three and a half to four years later, we went public, and it's a $4.4 billion company. And when that happened, my wife and I slapped each other fives, and she said, let's get a yacht and take off. And I said, no, the one thing I've always wanted to do is create a space, an outlet for Latinos in the United States. And that is why now I'm creating Agua Media, a lot like, what you guys are doing here, Patrick, which is and that, that's a based space. Out, it's uh, based out of what? It's based out of Miami? What based out of South Agua. Florida. Okay. Yeah. So, I, by the way, I think timing of it is uh, uh, great uh, uh, with what you're doing with Agua Media. Uh, uh, who, who would be right now? So right now, wh- when, I, when I talk to Hispanics and I ask them who, they're, uh, uh, who they go to to get their political advice or political mm-hmm. you know, philosophies, the, the Jesus of political philosophies for the Hispanic community is Jorge Ramos. I mean, Correct. he's the guy, right? What made... Jorge- yeah, yes and no. 
Well, I mean, so who would be the other side? Well, the only, the, the, only, the only reason I'm going to push back on you yeah. on that is because Jorge Ramos barely speaks English. So if 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 you go by the statistics that I just shared with you, ninety five percent under forty one, ninety five percent under forty one speak yeah. English. Of those, they I think it's seventy five percent primarily speak English, and something like forty five percent don't even know how to speak Spanish. Wow. So those people barely even know who the hell Jorge Ramos is. But the Jorge Ra Jorge Ramos influenced their parents, and their parents influenced the kids. So well the said. influence is going through what he's done to the parents. So so why do you think parents? And 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 I think it's important for the audience to know this. Why don't we go to this first, and I'll go to the parents side with Jorge Ramos. Um, what is the difference between a Cuban political philosophy versus a Mexican versus a Puerto Rican and versus some others? Honduras, you know, you got other Hispanic. Because it's not when you're saying Hispanic, yeah. they don't all lean the same way politically. No, no, no. And you could say, by the way, and, you know— uh, you can say the same thing about everyone, but in, to, to answer your question more directly, the Latinos who have come to the United States recently and fled an oppressive political regime, as opposed to Latinos who have come to the United States over the years uh, fleeing from what are oppressive economic conditions, are two different types of individuals. Mm -hmm. So the Cuban comes here, like the Vietnamese comes here, like... Uh, uh, the Venezuelans uh, come here, which is what we see in Miami for the most part, and they're angry. They're angry that they got a guy like Castro or a guy like Chavez who's taken over their country, who's a freaking totalitarian communist SOB. Yep. And uh, so as soon as they get here, they, they they hitch their wagon to the Republican Party because yeah. the Republican Party is the one that's always yelling, you know, comunista, comunista, comunista. Yeah. And they come here yelling comunista, 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 so it's a perfect match. Um that sense, obviously, as you said, is more adherent in the older communities among the Cubans and the Venezuelans and the ones who have recently arrived. So that's the reason for that. It's it's a political feeling. It's almost like I've been put upon. I'm in America. This country is anti-communist and the Republican Party is anti-communist. So this is why I'm going to go with this party. The... Um, the Honduran Americans, the Mexican Americans, the others out west, for example, and even to a certain extent Puerto Ricans who live in New York or the New York Ricans, they see it a little bit differently. They've been here for a longer period of time and they're more ingrained and they're less political and they're more economic. So they yep. see the world a little bit differently. They tend to hang with the Democratic Party or the more progressive way of looking at things. And those are the reasons for those two. Uh, ideological or political ideologies, but when you really break them down, everything else they're pretty much the same. Yeah, they, they go to the same church. They, mm -hmm. they're both they're both uh, hardworking. Uh, they're both uh, into family. They're very traditional. All the things about very us. much so. Yeah. yeah, very much so. The, the values of the Hispanic community across the board. I mean, the insurance company we run, we're forty two percent Hispanic, and it's not from one you know area. It's Mexican, Salvadorian, Guatemalan, Ecuador. You know, Honduras. It doesn't matter. We have them all. In a company, in hardworking, strong family, rowdy, fun to be around, very uh, uh, attractive energy. The way they are, uh, you know, they they enjoy having fun. They're good people to be around. But you sit there and you say, so the party you said about Jorge Ramos. Okay, so you said Jorge Ramos is the ones that are older. The population that follows Jorge Ramos's influence. Okay, mm -hmm. so if Jorge Ramos is older, and those who speak English don't follow Jorge Ramos, are following AOC. So yeah. both ways, they're getting the same messaging exactly. from the same philosophies, but they escaped a lot of the stuff that those two are selling them. Yeah, and AOC, I don't see her as Latina. 
I mean, she came out with something last week saying that anybody who doesn't use the term Latinx should yeah. not be considered. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. I mean, are you crazy? I mean, Latin. First of all, why do we have to change our name? Latina is a beautiful word, by it. the way. Of course. Latina is a beautiful word. Mm -hmm. And that Latina can't call herself Latina anymore. She has to call herself Latinx. Oh. The language of my parents, the language of my grandparents, the language that comes from Spain, we have to change and all of a sudden call it Latinx because mm -hmm. AOC decided that it, we should be. What the? What the? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, what is Latinx, yeah, by the way? I have no I, idea. I don't even know. Like some think tank, some liberal think tank somewhere yeah. decided we're going to change. Why don't you change all the Irish people to Irish X, you know? <laughs> it's never going to stop. Know, Persian I, X, yeah. uh, you know, Assyrian whatever X. the hell you are. Well, I don't know. Yeah, Still trying not, to figure it out. And right, I mean, why do we get the X? And the crazy thing is, I'm telling you right now, AOC, when she gets to that point, she's going to run for president. And that type of person with her hip and texting and te tweeting... Those are the type of people that are going to win the presidency when it comes around to their time. And let I'm me tell you something you. else. I'm telling you. And let me tell you something else about Latinx. The only people who use the term Latinx are not Latinos. Yeah, exactly. Of course. Three percent of Latinos don't even yeah. know what the yeah. hell it is and yeah. hate, I saw and the other ones hate it. I saw ninety-eight percent of Latinos don't want to be called. Uh, no, they Latinx, hate it. So that things of this. This, they is, hate this it. is what Patrick is getting at. Can I, can Who I, the hell out there is creating the rules for Latinos because they're obviously not Latinos? Well, yeah. let me ask you because I think this Sorry, is going. I didn't mean to go. No, no, no. It was great. You're killing it. Was great. Um, what I think you're saying is, and what Pat's question was, is that Latinos are not monolithic. No. It's a very diverse group. But before you get too far on being not monolithic, who the hell is? Yeah, no, Are Americans correct. monolithic? Correct. But, really. but, but that's I mean, my point, is that... Um, I think there's a place where I can bring them together with Agua Media. And that's why we're doing Agua Media. And that's why I do stories. And in the middle of the stories, I stop and tell the viewer, let me give you a Latino perspective on this story. So whether I'm doing foreign policy, Ukraine, China, lo que sea, what I do is I try to in, I try to do what everybody else has always done in this culture, except Latinos. We've been, not been allowed to do it. Go into the media, mainstream or whatever the hell you want to call it, and tell a story with a little bit of our perspective, a mm -hmm. little bit of our juice, a little bit of our DNA, because there ain't nobody out there doing it. The last guy who did it was some dude on CNN named Rick Sanchez, and they fired him, and they've never replaced him. So you don't see anymore. There's not one guy no. on television in America who happens to be Latino anymore. They, they don't exist. You don't consider Geraldo Rivera Latino? Oh, God. Is he still alive? See, <laughs> so, see, por supuesto. No, actually, you His know. His mustaches. He's a, he's a good guy. He's a good yeah. guy. But but uh, to say that he has a national yeah, Why do you think there is not platform? a bigger platform for Latinos? I mean, they're 30% of America, you're saying, or 20%? 25%. Why aren't there numerous Latinos on TV? That is the question for the ages, and that is why Agua Media was born, and that's why Saul Trujillo and I have come together to create this entity, because I think if ain't nobody else going to do it, maybe it's time we do it ourselves. So we want to create something akin to what you guys are doing here, where we're able to essentially find spaces in the media where we can tell all the stories that everybody else is already hearing, but with our DNA, our perspective. Mm -hmm. What 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 do you think was uh, what worked for Jorge Ramos? What made Jorge Ramos as famous as he is today, as influential in the Hispanic community, Latino community, as he is today? Slam dunk. First of all, uh, let me start with this. Great guy. Great journalist. Adheres to journalistic principles. Forthright. Uh, uh, telegenic. Handsome. Looks good. Uh, Mexican. Uh, so all of that was there. So from a casting standpoint, mm -hmm. he's cast right. But here's really the most important thing. When, when, when somebody had the brainstorm of thinking, you know, it's funny. We've got all these, uh, 
we've got all these Oyes living in America, right? We've got all these Hispanics living in America, and they don't have a television channel. They don't have a television network. So let's begin something called Univision. Univision. So the essence, the creation, the business idea of to flourish a concept of a Spanish-speaking television network was brilliant, and once they did that and they implemented the news and they chose Jorge Ramos, whether it had been Jorge Ramos or anybody else, it would have been successful. It was more successful with Jorge because he was cast correctly. So that's it. Right yeah. place, right time, Patrick. And then his messaging, how was his messaging connecting with the with the Hispanic audience? Because all that I get, all that stuff I get, uh, fine, but he's... He's more than just looks and a guy that gets on and talks. He's got strong opinions. He's got strong, you know, uh, beliefs. How did that connect with the Hispanic audience the way it has? Well, um, you know, it's funny. A lot of the folks that I've hired, uh, I've taken from Univision because, uh, you know, terrestrial television for the most part is kind of, you know, weakening, shall we say. So there's a lot of people who are real smart out there who are available. So I get into conversations with a lot of these guys, and they tell me what it was like in the beginning when they first started. But let me give you my opinion. I don't want to be like Univision. I don't want to be like Telemundo. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be like Jorge Ramos, though I love Jorge Ramos and mm -hmm. we're good friends and I respect mm -hmm. the hell out of him. Because what they have had to do for their audience is bring it down, Patrick, to victimization. Mm -hmm. So if you were to do a content analysis of their newscasts, for example, or their content in general, what you would find is that they tend to do the woe is me a lot. This poor guy was put upon, was stopped by police and beat up, and he's the lead story. This lady didn't get her food stamps, et cetera, et cetera. So rather than what I think is the message that I've been talking about here, Latinos are driving the U.S. economy. We are leading in entrepreneurship. You are, a Latino is more apt to start a business in America right now than any other cohort. Latinos are hiring people at a faster pace than any other cohort. Again, you're not hearing that from Jorge Ramos and Univision. You're getting the victimization stories. And that in and of itself plays into the scene of, oh, poor guys, poor Latinos. I don't want, this should not be about poor Latinos. Oh, look at them, Rachel Maddow's patting us on the head. Yep. It should be about, look at these mother, look at these guys, look what they're doing, look how they important they are to the U.S. economy, and rather than pu putting up a fence and, and keeping them out while we send our jobs to Vietnam, we should be letting them in and saying, hey, we need to start more plants and creating people here who work their asses off. But I got a question for you. So let me let me push back on that a little bit. Okay. So the woe is me. Oh my gosh. I look, they're never they're never looking at us. They don't they, they don't do anything for look how poor we are, look how this we are. Okay. We are seeing uh, MSNBC is, uh, is replacing Rachel Maddow with Alex Wagner, I believe. So they're going a completely different direction with Rachel Maddow. That announcement came back yesterday, right? You're starting to see MSNBC and CNN kind of sit there and say, uh, the Russia scandal that we kept talking about kind of backfired on us. Guys, we got to go a different direction. You kind of seen Zucker had to get fired. Somebody had to get fired to show that, well, the, the whole guy behind all of this stuff was Zucker and then Crew Como was gone and this guy's gone and that guy's gone. So they have to revamp the whole imaging because they realized that messaging didn't work for CNN or MSNBC. Rogan is destroying them. Tucker is destroying them. And that's just the truth. Podcasters are killing them. Shapiro's doing laps around them. And I can give you a bunch of these other statistics. You right. see them, you're in the world, right? Meaning that messaging didn't resonate with their audience. My question for you is, 
Why is Ramos's messaging of woe is me resonating with the Hispanic audience? Because they speak Spanish, and where else are they going to go? There's only two networks, Telemundo and Univision, and they basically spit the ratings. So if, if all you have is a store, if you have a, a t three supermarkets, and 50% of the population is Latino in your neighborhood, and one of them is Hungarian, and the other one is uh, gringo, and the third one is uh, Latino, mm -hmm. uh, where is that 50% going to buy their goods? They're going to buy it at the Latino store. You could say the, make the same argument for Univision and Telemundo. They just happen to be placed in such a place where that's the only place you can go to get your stuff. Unfortunately for them, that population, the population that only wants to get their information or their content in Spanish, is diminishing, if not dying off to a certain extent. Are they, do they, do you, uh, is Univision, would you say Univision and Telemundo, do, do they lean left? Hardcore. Hardcore, both of them? Sure, sure. I mean, it's I, not even a they question. Almost, they, it almost, they almost have to. I mean, you're talking, I mean, what, what are you going to get? A guy who came to the United States last week, came here for economic conditions. The, the story that you write for him and prepare for him is usually one more of, as I said earlier, more of a woe is me kind of story. And that's, where, that's where I don't like the victimization thing to mm. come in. And, and that doesn't mean that I want to lean right either because yeah. I don't think that's correct either mm. because uh, unfortunately there are too many forces on the right, including my buddies over there, my buddy Tark Tucker at uh, Fox News, who too often – don't understand the things that I'm talking about right now, Vincey, mm -hmm. where, where essentially they're, you know, uh, they speak of Latinos as if the only thing they can say about Latinos is that they crossed the border last week, they came here, and they're going to rape your daughter. <laughs> yeah. and, and I'm sorry, but that's just bullshit, you know? Yeah. So just like I criticize the, uh, the left or progressive media, whatever the hell they want to call themselves for being, for underrepresenting Latinos, you look at some of the messages that are coming out of the hard right yeah. media, and it's like, guys, come on. I don't, I, don't think, really? I don't think that's what they're saying. I don't think they're saying people are going to come from Mexico and they're going to do this. I think they're saying these guys that have a record of this San Francisco, why are you letting them out again and again and again? And why are you and, doing that one story? I can show you statistics yeah. right now that shows that not only are Latinos under-indexing in crime in the United States, but they're actually like in last place when it comes to committing crimes. And you know who commits the fewest crimes? Immigrants. Illegal immigrants, yeah, as they right. call them. Well, I mean, obviously. The radar, obviously. <laughs> they live in the shadows, but every time one undocumented immigrant has a yeah. DUI or has something, front page, it's an Tucker easy Carlson. Scapegoat and I'll so, tell but, them that. But, but wait a face. minute. And that's but, not but, the story but, he should be doing. But wait a minute. Okay, so so go there. So go there. So if you're saying. But they're you, doing the same thing Jorge Ramos but, is doing, but by I, the way. But I get that. But what I'm saying, but, but the difference is the messaging is you don't need the government to take care of you. Ramos's message is Univision Television, you know, all these other guys is, hey, we need the government to do more for us. No, you, you need to go take your work ethic and do something for yourself like you did over there because you guys are known for being hardest workers. Correct. So go do something with your life, not woe is me, let me go help you out, all this stuff like you said earlier. Uh, but but going there, so you There's said, a little above. But but yeah. but say the border part. Just say the border part. Okay, let's talk about the border. So if you're saying Illegal immigrants are the least to commit crime in America. Undocumented. Let's Undocumented. Say. Let's use that word. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so why don't we just open the open up the border and let everybody come up here? I think that would be ridiculous and stupid. I mean, why? it's happening why? right why? now. But, but, but wait a minute. But why? If they're the least to commit crimes, let's just open it up because they're the least to commit crimes. Well, no, I think the 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 I was using reductio absurdum to make a point, right? I mean, I'm using a logical argument that says if you're going to argue that the biggest problem we have in America right now is we're about to hit a recession because of inflation, which is caused by the supply chain where we don't have any goods that are made in this country. How stupid is that? We could fix that overnight. We have the best workforce in the world right now here, Latinos, the best workforce in the world. 
They work two, three jobs on average. The average non-Latino in the United States, we could barely get them to sign up for a job at Target making $17 an hour right now. Mm -hmm. So what does that tell you? We have a reliable, capable workforce that we are underusing. Think of think of think like a business person that we are underusing, and we could employ them somehow by intelligently figuring out how to get the right amount of people over here from Mexico or wherever the hell, so that they can help our economy. Am I saying does that mean oh just open the border willy nilly and let them all in here, including the badasses and the pieces of crap? Obviously not. I think, but but neither party, neither Republicans or Democrats, have sat down with the exception of Ronald Reagan, who was the last guy to do this, and say, let's come up with a cogent, intelligent way of being able to control the border by allowing a certain amount of people in based on the necessity of our country at that time. We can't even get that right, Patrick. Well, but you know why? Because yeah. you said intelligent. I mean, am I wrong? You yeah. said intelligent way to do it. They can't They can't intelligently find out. They can't. And I just moved it from California, and what's happening, they're, they're, especially this, this administration's attitude is just like, just come Come on in. And then I ask the question, it's everybody. What is their goal? Are they just telling these people, hey, listen, when they come in, just remember, we let you in. We didn't give a, we didn't want to vet you or anything. Vote Democrat. That's what happens, bro. I, I'm, I the, just the, left the, there. The, the problem is neither party can come up with a cogent plan that works. So. You know who's messaging? You know who's messaging to me is extreme. Like I, I, I don't know if he has any aspirations or not, but the way he gives his messaging is so freaking attractive to increase, to, to, to improve a, uh, a population or community is uh, uh, Pitbull. The way Pitbull talks about how he was growing up listening to Tony Robbins in the car with his mom driving down and she was doing what she was doing and he found a way to get out and he did this and he did that and he's driving responsibility. That messaging is a very strong messaging that the Hispanic community can uh, uh, attach to versus, hey, they don't do anything for us. They don't do anything for this. First of all, America doesn't owe anybody anything. Agreed. Okay? Agreed. You, you use your work ethic that you have. You can do anything you want to do in America. Obviously, there's, you're not going to be the next LeBron James if you can't jump 46 inches, but this is America. Or if you your can, dad didn't get you into Harvard, even though you had a C average because he was uh, uh, an alum there yeah. and has connections. So yeah. let's, let's, let's be honest about this, Patrick. Yeah. There is something to say about a country that right now is allowing not the finest to become successful, but the ones who come here with the... I know, there's guys like you and, and me. I, I came from poverty. Who My are you parents, alluding to, though? Who are you alluding to, the, the guys that go to Harvard? Like who? No, I'm talking about, I'm talking about uh, you know, us wanting to make uh, Elon Musk uh, a hero. Uh, his dad owned a diamond mine. I mean, come on, let's face it. He is that, a, doesn't he, mean, but, that doesn't mean that he grew up poor. That doesn't mean he grew yeah. up rich. But there is a difference, to be fair, between a guy who comes to this country, has to really work his butt off to make it, and these guys who had it on easy street and are looking oh at poor gosh. people and saying, Cry me a river, Rick. Yeah. Cry me a flipping river. You chose to come to this country. Go to another country. Mm -hmm. Let me get this straight. So you just said you come to this country, and this country has to give you to the people that have been here for a while? It's like me saying... No, 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 no. So, you misunderstood so, me. But, I'm but not you're saying, saying that, that, No, 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 no. What I'm that saying is... That they have an is, advantage? They should have an advantage. No, no, no. What I'm saying is that yeah. there's an argument that still exists, that there's some things about our country that we can fix to make sure everybody has an equal That's playing That's not going to happen, though. Yeah, it's no just way. not going to happen, bro. And I'm telling you right now, and, and, and it doesn't have to. That, that's simple. It doesn't have to improve. Look, uh, uh, for me... We came from Iran to U.S. The U.S. gave us a green card. We came in. 
U.S. doesn't owe me shit except for the green card they gave me. That's it. I don't need to have the same advantage or the same equal opportunity as John F. Kennedy's grandson. I don't need to have that. I agree. Yeah, so I agree. So, I, I am your story. Yeah, I, my parents made ten thousand dollars combined yeah, but, income. Yeah, but fewer poverty. I get that, but that story needs to be told, not the story of we need to figure out a way to make it equal. It's not going to happen. Yeah, it's not going to happen. Point like, well taken. It's just not for me to say, hey, it's unfair that you know we need to make it equal that LeBron's kids can play basketball because they're. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm totally okay with that. <laughs> I'm totally okay but with not what, if they're only five feet tall. But but the point. So something like Shannon Sharp says one time, he says, look, I understand the argument. I was born with this body. Yep. I'm a bad, I got a badass body. And yeah. it's it's unequal opportunity to you and I versus Shannon Sharp. Mm-hmm. You look at the guy, he's just got it, right? So what are we going to say? Hey, work out less? Hey, do me a favor. Do a little bit less legs. Can you run a little slower? Can you, no, that's not, this is how it was created. So for us to come here and be able to compete, uh, Elon mm-hmm. Musk was an immigrant when he came here. Uh-huh. And Elon Musk was able to build a company, and we should actually get the kids. Again, this goes back to a conversation we had a few months ago where we have to be careful who we uh, uh, turn our turn into hero mm-hmm. where our kids aspire to be. If we demonize people that are heroes, our kids don't want to be like those people. So let me just say this. Yeah. Let me just say this. Maybe Maybe this is the way I should present my argument pushing back on you a little sure. bit that it's totally all fine. about yeah. we're we're all equal and everybody's the same and you know we all get to the same place and you know it's all about your merit which i understand and if it's a meritocracy and if it's truly a meritocracy i'm all for it but if we live in a country where a specific company can get subsidies from the government because they lobbied certain politicians and those politicians accepted the money and then allowed that company to have an advantage over my company in a corrupt way, then we got to fix that. And yeah. some of that is happening in America today. Well, you're talking about lobbying and corrupt uh, I- I'm talking about if you could just make capitalism. the argument that everybody— There's no way that Pat's going to disagree with you on that. That's something Zero. that Pat is yeah, advocates against nonstop. We have, we have lobbyists, yeah, exactly. Two, two weeks— Six weeks ago, I'm so against what the lobbyists are doing. But yeah, exactly. So, so we. Yeah. So all I'm saying is, yeah. within our system, there are advantages but for certain people who have stories, certain money. Okay, bro, good. those are two different stories. I and took I, it out of the immigrant no, basis. No, and just I, talked I, about I, I get that. What to I me, think those are two different stories. What I yeah. think your perspective is, and and this is just me, you know, sitting on your right for two years now. It's all you owe me once you let me in the country is the opportunity to succeed or fail. Yeah, all, just you let me in. And you know they say nobody cares. Work harder. That's basically your perspective. No, for you me. let me in. Thank yeah. you. It's on me now. And Pat, your 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 mom and dad. They, it that's was his a process, life. right? That's his they story. Had to, they had to wait in line and they had to wait till they get their card and they came in here. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But by the way, that's what absolutely, I'm saying. we lived at a come, refugee camp come, for a year and a half. Yeah. By the way, you know here. that everyone at this table has the same story. 100%. My my, fa- my family led uh, fled Eastern Europe in the 1920s. And all settled here yeah, in, but, in America. Your family fled Cuba. His family fled my Iran. My parents came on a boat exactly. for 30 days. I- immigration gets complicated, though, guys. And, and that's why I keep going back to we need a system to make it make sense. Because right now it doesn't make sense. And here's what happens right now. I'll give you an example. There's a company in Dalton, Georgia. It is the carpet mill manufacturing place of the entire world. When their workers all left or died or got old from the Appalachians who were here from World War II, their kids said, Dad, Mom, I don't want to work at the mill. I don't want that job. So the entire industry was about to dry up. That industry found a way to go to Mexico and recruit people 
who came to this country to save the carpet mill industry, which is now thriving once again in Dalton, Georgia. I went there and I talked to the people in Dalton, Georgia. I said, what do you think of these people? They said, at first we were very concerned. But now, you know, the guy who runs the dry cleaner, the guy who's the chamber of the chamber of commerce guy says, they come into work earlier. They leave late. They always pay their bills on time. They filled up our churches. They're great to have in this community. So, and here is a company that illegally went to Mexico and recruited undocumented mm -hmm. immigrants to refill their positions that Americans apparently didn't want. There's a story there that tells us something. I'm not sure what it is, but I think part of that story is the business industry. Some people on the right or on the left would say, look at those people, those business people in Dalton, Georgia, those bastards, look what they did. But yet at the same time, they help our country become better by getting these people here. So we need a system that allows the people of Dalton, but, Georgia, but those I, businesses to do that correctly yeah, and I, legally. I tell you what, though, I think, I think. Does that make sense? Yeah, but, but I think w the community that wins there is the Hispanic community because so if, if people who are born in America, let's just say they're white and they don't want to do the work uh, of 17 bucks an hour at Target, don't do it. I'll do it. Right. I'll take that job. Right. It's totally fine. I'll take that job. That's my dad. But here's the difference. Here's the difference. The, the, in the military, when you get out of the military, sometimes the challenge with vets is they get out, they've been conditioned to be government employees, and when they get out, they've learned work ethic, they've learned to work together as a team, they've learned all this stuff, but they're small thinkers. So they get a job at the UPS after they come out of the military, I made it. Hey, I get those additional 10 points on the test I take. Hey, I go become a cop. Hey, I go become a firefighter. Hey, I go become this. I've made it. And that's it. And that's all I do. No problem. But you learned the most difficult thing to be able to compete in a marketplace, which is working hard, working as a team and leadership. That and free enterprise can help you do a lot. So the challenge becomes Hispanics are willing to do those jobs. Mm -hmm. You've got to think a little bit bigger. And the Hispanic voices like yourself, like the Ramoses, like those people out there have to say, hey, why don't you go compete with Musk? Instead of saying, poor you, you can't compete with Musk. Bolt, stop saying that. I can't stand it when people say stuff like that to me when I was a kid coming up because I'm supposed to be afraid of somebody. Stop saying that kind of stuff. Did like I hit that. a nerve with this no, guy? No, no, no. I should the, not have said the, that. The, the, point, the, the, only, the point I'm trying to— I point, get your point. The point I'm—like when I went to India, I went to India and I spoke in India four years uh -huh. ago, five years ago. And I'm speaking at IIT Institute. It's, a, it's like their MIT, which is an insane school. Uh -huh. 5,000 people are sitting there. The chairman of a State Bank of India, which is actually chairwoman, Arundhati Bachari, 420,000 employees, I believe. They have some 240,000 employees they have. Then Divyang Turakia, who's a young billionaire there, him and his brother are on the cover of Forbes. And I'm speaking with these guys. Uh, uh, and I said, look, here's a few things. Here's what's about to happen. You guys got to realize you have a bigger audience. Your average age is 24, 25, 26. You're the youngest. China's 36. And we're, we're 36. China's 38. They're aging. You're not. You're young. You're learning about capitalism. You got a guy, Modi, who is letting you go out there and compete. In a few years, decade or two, there's going to be someone showing up. Now that you're rich, you're wealthy, your economy's kicking everyone's ass to say socialism is a better way, raise taxes, all these other policies, going to start making you feel sorry for yourself and don't. You can compete with everybody. Go compete. Don't let any freaking news guy, politician, any other person make you feel you cannot. Mm -hmm. So for me, Agreed. the voices of the Hispanic community, the leaders need to say, hey, what's so special about Elon Musk? Go beat him. Correct. What's so special about this guy? Go beat him. That what's so special about Obama? Go beat him. Be a president younger than him. Instead of saying, well, you know, you know how it is. It's not fair. No, 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 no. Go whoop their asses. 
Because half the battle is somebody believing in me that I can't pull it off. That's all it takes. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. So my idea And you're is, right. Yeah, my idea is and more I, from and, that and standpoint. By the way, we are yeah. exactly in the same place on that. In fact, the story you just told and the story of Cano Health, a story of a company that started just five short years ago and is now one of the leading value-based care companies in the United States, is a story of Latinos, immigrants, Mexicans, Cubans, uh, Venezuelans, Puerto Ricans coming together and starting a company and now doing what it has done where it is the fastest growing healthcare company yeah. in the United States. So it, it's exactly what you just and, said. And it's by, just believing we could. By the way, your story, your story, that, that is a big inspirational story is the following story. Your, your story that is even bigger than what you just talked about is you chose to recreate yourself. Just 15 years ago, you, whatever, 12, I don't know the exact timeline, decade ago or so, you know, hey, bigot, you cannot believe you said this, fired. Hey, you know, the Anderson, mm -hmm. no. hey, this, this, that, that. And then you chose to go and say, okay, instead of being, whoa, oh my God, feel sorry for me. No, you know what? I'm going to go on free market. I'm going to make my money. Then I'm going to build a media company. Then I'm going to show back up because I got a message. Mm. There is a value in the message of choosing to recreate yourself. That recreating process, you seem very happy right now on the camera. I am sure behind closed doors there was nights that was not too happy. <laughs> I'm sure there was nights where you were really like, what the hell did I do wrong? I'm trying to be the guy that's bringing an audience here. So so you chose to recreate, you know, and I think we can all also recreate ourselves after a big setback we had in our lives. After CNN fired me and not a single company would even look at me, and I called and they would say, God, you're really talented and you're very good on camera, but we just can't hire you. And it got to the point where we lost our house Jeez. and uh, the children were, you know, having a tough time. And I remember uh, at night, um, I didn't want my kids and my wife to see me. So I would go in a closet and I would close the door and I would cry. And I would try and figure out a way to get out of it. And, uh, and what I did was I, uh, I remade myself and I figured, you know, if I can't be a journalist and it's all I know, I'll be a CMO because what I know as a journalist, messaging, writing, communicating is transferable. Mm. And there are people in America who might be listening to the sound of my voice right now who may have just lost their jobs or maybe looking for something else. And they, they, they need somebody to tell them that. They do have the skills inside of them and they don't need a handout and they don't need to complain and they don't need to cry, woe is me. They just need to find those things within themselves and then use those to stretch themselves to do something perhaps different than they've ever done before. And that's what I did. And uh, I, I, I triangulated my brand and I went to companies and they said, I'm Rick Sanchez, I know how to do a television show. And I also have a healthcare company. Why don't you let us do a television show on your station? And you don't have to pay me what you think you have to pay me because I'm kind of desperate right now. But give me 50% of your avails. Give me 50% of your advertising hole. We'll take that advertising hole. We'll fill it with our commercials. And that's how we grew our company. And Brick, I think they're, they're amazing Which is I think there needs to be more, smart. <laughs> more voices like you, more people. like like like. We don't really hear that many stories of... 
the Latino, you know what I'm saying, getting to that point. There needs to be more outlets like you saying these stories. So those those younger people, those 11-year-olds that are coming up can hear stuff like that. And just like, like Pat said, it ain't a victim. It ain't whatever. You could do whatever the hell you want. In this country, there's no, yeah. there's no image holding you back. There's no like the man is just yeah. you. Stay focused, and you could do it. If you yeah. could do it, then you're golden. And he hit a court when you said that, Pat. You made me think of those oh, moments. And- I mean, that, that's that's, but that's the message, though, bro. Like, like we forget like how shitty life was a decade ago, mm-hmm. and how hard it was to recreate ourselves. Recreating yourself is a form of saying I'm not good enough for the next level. None of us like to say I'm not good enough for mm-hmm. the next level. It's painful. It's emotional. It hurts our ego. We have this ego that's like this, you know, uh, uh, material that's so flimsy that if it drops, it cracks, and like we're all trying to protect this ego of ours. No, but but again, tremendous respect for you to doing what you've done to go from there to being here. I, I'm I'm very happy for you, and I hope you keep kicking ass and taking Oakwa to uh, different levels with the messaging you guys are trying to do. Uh, Thanks, I'm man. glad you shared that with us, by the way. Appreciate you for doing that. That was great. Congrats to your success for going from that closet, crying, to now being where yeah. you are, where you got your place that you got and your family celebrating it. Um, and I know the feeling of what it is to do the high five and say, babe, what are we going to do? And boom, you have, you have the choice to go out there and kick it and just relax. And you're saying, no, I'm going to go lace them up and I want to go for one more run. That's hard to do when yeah. you have money in the bank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And well, and I think, I, I mean, Rick Sanchez News is an opportunity for us to tell the stories like the ones that you and I are talking about now. Latinos are mules. We're mules. That's what we call ourselves. That's what me and all my Latino friends, we, we just want to work. Just give me a chance to work. Give me a job. Give me two jobs. Give me three jobs. When I first started after that episode that I just shared with you guys, I had four jobs. I started in the morning teaching at my kids' school so they wouldn't kick them out of school because I couldn't afford to have them there, uh, American Heritage. Uh, then I... Uh, Del Rey or the other campus? The other campus. Okay, The got one it. over in yeah, yeah. And then I got Great a job school. working uh, right between Rush Limbaugh and uh, Sean Hannity uh, for Clear Channel doing a radio show. Awesome. And then I would go to... Um, Fox News hired me and said, we're going to give you Fox News Latino. So they had me doing that, even though it wasn't really up and running at the time. And then I do... So basically, I was picking up, you know, Good. a little bit here, a little bit there, and then putting it all together to quite try and equate what I was well, doing. So fantastic. And that's why Agua Media, I think, is really important now. Pat, so Pat, check us out. Yes. Real, real quick, if we may, I, I'm really interested on this issue of immigration because you, you, what we're doing now obviously isn't working. We're going <laughs> to have God knows how many numbers of, of illegal uh, immigrants come across the border under Joe Biden's presidency. We're at two, right. two million plus. We just had the 50 that tragically passed away in San Antonio in the truck. Um, and under President Trump, you know, refugees admitted down by 65%. Temporary visas were up 5%. But to be fair, under President Trump, those Latinos that were coming over were finally being paid what they deserved. Mm-hmm. As more illegals come over, the wages fall. You can just fire one, go get another one cheaper, pay them less, pay them less, pay them less. Mm-hmm. So we, Adam often talks about solutions. What is the solution? Because I think that the motto that they're coming over, they're stealing our jobs, is, is absolutely incorrect. And let's not forget about Cesar Chavez the farm workers of America hated, absolutely hated illegal immigrants, right? He would, he would form a line and beat him. He would send them back. Mm-hmm. What is the answer to immigration? What's the actual solution? I'm a businessman. I understand data. I understand how to do reporting that gives you essentially a sense of how you're growing your company. Right. The United States should look at immigration the way a businessman or businesswoman looks at their bottom line. How many do I need... What can they do? How many can I get? How much do I have to pay them? 
And at any at any given time, I may have to lay off a few people or bring in a few people. And we've never thought of treating the border and using our data and our computers and our ability to put all this information together the same way that businesses do. Instead, we have these idiots, these fucking morons in Washington yelling at each other, trying to get votes, saying the other side is good, yeah. the other side is bad. Yeah. All we've got to do is get the right analysis, the right number of analysts, data analysts, the right number of security experts to put that thing together, and we would have the thing solved in a week. But you know what? To really answer your question, they don't want to solve it. They don't want to solve it because the moment they solve it, they lose one of their arguments, both sides, including yeah. both the Democrats and the Republicans. That's how I would answer that. I think that's, I think that's correct. Your audio is low. Can we increase Tyler's audio a little bit? Uh, but let's, let's go to the next story. Let's just go to a story now. Joe Rogan, okay? Let's, uh, let's address that story. I don't know if you guys are following it or not. If you saw what he said yesterday mm-hmm. uh, about... Uh, he was asked about interviewing Trump. Yeah, on Lex Friedman podcast. So Joe Rogan reveals if he will ever host Donald Trump on his podcast, despite hosting a... Uh, uh, a group of polarizing figures on his show, post uh, pot steering podcaster Joe Rogan claimed there's one person who he'll never, uh, who'll never appear on this podcast. Former President Donald Trump, the 54 year old comedian and UFC commentator, was candid during a Monday episode on Joe Rogan experience with computer scientist Lex Friedman. I'm not a Trump supporter in any way, shape, or form. The former Fear Factor host told Friedman, "I have the opportunity to have him on my show more than once, and I have said no every time." He added. I don't want to help him. I'm not interested in helping him. So, what do you think about this story with Joe Rogan? Well, well, he was on the Lex Friedman podcast, yeah. right? And that's where he's, I think the, the whole thing. And you've been on Rogan. We, you know, you, you were texting him yesterday as we were discussing this story. That's the the ironic part. But the thing with Joe is, I don't think Joe is left or right. I think if, if like Bernie Sanders has been on a show as far left as as it gets in America today. As far right as it gets is he has Alex Jones on the show. He finds common ground with everybody. That's the beauty of Joe Rogan is that he could sit there, be completely empathetic to you, listen, actively listen. He's not there to for ratings or to pander. He's just actively listening. And it's funny, when you watch Joe, if you're a little bit further left and you start, he was like, yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you, totally. And then if you're a little bit further right, he'll sit there and constantly agree with you. He's very fluid. Yeah. There's nothing, he's not a hardliner on anything. That's the beauty of Joe. And then speaking of left, I mean, he came from Hollywood, you know, comedy scene, you, the comedy scene in LA. He said, he's a, liberal, LA. He said, yeah. he's a liberal he said he would vote for Bernie Sanders. Yeah. But then on, on the right side of things, like he does UFC, he's tight with yeah. uh, Dana White, like that's on the right side but, of but, things. But you know what he's saying, Adam, with this, what I see, mm-hmm. pardon me for interrupting, but what I see, what I hear when he says that is that he's living in a silo. And what we need are fewer silos in America right now. What do you mean is living in a silo? A silo is a place where you're only with your own group. Like a bubble. Bro, this, you my couldn't bubble be any, this, but hold on, let me just, be any further but, from a, but, the but, truth. But, but let me just finish. Silo? No, no. Obviously, What's the I silo know, he's in? I know Joe Rogan, and I know that he's interviewed all kinds of people. But yeah. when you make the statement, I don't want to interview the former president of the United States, you're mm-hmm. basically saying to me, I don't want to be associated with that guy. I don't even want to hear what he has to say. And I think that that's no, wrong. No, he doesn't want to give him his platform. That's what he's saying. But, but to, because I, but, in the context but, but of what the he's same saying, thing? <laughs> but, but in the I, context of what he's saying, he was talking about Joe Biden. Actually, it was it had nothing to do with Trump on the Lex Friedman podcast. He was yeah. basically saying Joe Biden is a walking dead man, mm-hmm. and that he is that's who he was talking about. And then he was ref- referencing. If you actually saw the clip, did you see it? No. All right. So let me inform you. 
he was talking about Biden and then basically Biden being on Kimmel and basically saying, dude, someone stop this guy. Yeah. Like he's just rambling. Yeah, yeah, let's take the Hear politics. me out though, Rick. Go ahead. Hear me out. Go ahead. And then he alluded to the fact, by the way, it was almost like a PS. By the way, as I'm shitting on Joe Biden, just understand something. I'm not a Trump guy. I'm not trying to give Trump a platform. I'm just letting you know where I stand. Right. I've had the opportunity to interview Trump multiple times. I've declined. That's the context of what it was what it was in. He alluded to the fact that, and then they went on talking about, listen, I give Alex Jones a platform. This guy is a quote-unquote far uh, right-wing, far-right nut job. And he goes, you know, in actuality, Alex Jones is right 90, 90% of the time. Yes, he got it wrong about mm-hmm. Sandy, Sandy Hook, yeah, Hook Sandy and Hook, all that. Yeah. yeah, and he got in trouble but for it. Basically, the bottom line is he was shitting on Joe Biden and he used hyperbolic language about him not wanting to affiliate with Trump to basically show, hey, look, as bad as I think Biden's doing, I'm not a Trump guy. It was shitting on Biden. But, it took the context. Of yeah. But all politics aside, all I'm saying is if you're a host and you're given an opportunity to interview the former president of the United States, you should probably one hundred. I agree. 100%. And if you don't interview the president of the United States, you're saying something about yourself, that you're living in a certain place where you're not letting in a certain kind of thinking, perhaps. I'm not saying I know that Trump is a vile dude and has done some really vile stuff, but that doesn't mean that if he's a former president, you don't give him his opportunity and ask him the tough questions. And if he wants to get up and walk out, he walks out. But I just disagree with the notion of saying I would never interview a former vice president. I agree. agree That's all I'm saying. I agree with this disagreement because Trump, we talked, Pat, when I walked in here, Trump was recently on the Full Send podcast with a couple of young guys. One of my friends, Bob Menery, is on there. And uh, it got banned, what, two days? It was kicked off. It's like, I just want to hear what this person has to say yeah. without getting Like, listen, as crazy as it is, say what the, I don't give a shit what anybody's opinion. Have your opinion. But for Joe Rogan to be like, nah, I'm not going to support him. You're not supporting him. I want to be able to hear because they're not going to ban it on Spotify. We'll actually get to hear the entire interview. I interviewed, Let me hear what you have to say. I interviewed Fidel Castro. You think that was easy? I interviewed yeah, Gorbachev. I I'll interview Xi Jinping. I'll interview Putin. I'll interview uh, Modi. I'll interview... Is I there anybody you wouldn't interview? Our job as a journalist is to do that. Is to- there anybody you wouldn't interview? There's anybody that you wouldn't want to give a bigger platform, a bigger no. microphone? No. So there's nobody that you would... That no. It- Truth is fresh air. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what we do. I mean, if... You know, Patrick and I have had disagreements during this conversation, respectful disagreements. Mm-hmm. We're both men. We can have a disagreement and walk away and shake hands. If you can't do that with another human being, I think that's kind of on you. And I also think, journalistically speaking, mm-hmm. it kind of degrades the field. So, But that's my opinion. What, would you reveal what you said to Joe so, or texted so, him? So what he just said, he doesn't have to live to those standards in his eyes because you said journalistic integrity. I don't think he sees himself as a journalist. Fair. I think he sees himself as this is my show. It's my podcast. I talk to who I want to talk to. Uh, we're on the what? But unfortunately, <laughs> guilty by association, Joe has become a journalist. I think so and, too. And it, but you know, you know the book "Accidental Millionaire." They wrote about jobs and Wozniak. Joe is a. This is actually a good title for a book if he writes it. Accidental journalist. Wow. Okay, this is how he accidentally became the most powerful journalist in America. Mm-hmm. Some may call it in the world, okay, on the kind of influence that he has. So, you know, but does that mean he has to meet the standards of what the journalistic standards are? He doesn't have to do it. Good question. Does that mean it's going to upset his audience? Sure, the audience that would love to see him push Trump back. But at the same time, you ever seen the video when uh, Joe is – teaching GSP how to put so much power into his kick. I don't know if you've ever seen this video. It's like a four-minute clip. 
And Joe's and Joe's kids like a kick, are like a beast. First of all, Jeez. he's teaching GSP, who some consider him one of the top five goats of all time, yeah. and he's teaching GSP how to do this kick. But the way he's teaching, the the level of precision in his teaching, one cannot be extremely technical and meticulous and detailed and strategic without being able to teach a kick the way he teaches. I know this makes no sense, but in my mind. Joe knows what he's doing. 100%. Joe knows what he's doing. Listen, I wouldn't be surprised if a DeSantis, a Newsom, and a Michelle Obama are on this podcast in the next six to 12 months. Well, I think so, too. So I wouldn't be surprised if those guys are uh, going to be on there. I think, you know, he made positive comments about DeSantis a week ago or two weeks ago when he mm -hmm. said, I think DeSantis will be president. So a week after that, he says that about Trump. Maybe he feels DeSantis is going to be the right guy to be the president, and maybe he wants to get behind DeSantis. And if he wants to do that, that's his guy. Are you more, saying, more power to him. But wait, did you just say that Joe Rogan uses his uh, microphone to influence political thought in America? That he might be that— Whether uh, he likes it or not, he has been doing that. Because that's very Machiavellian. I what? mean, if he says, I'm going to say today that Trump is a no, uh, bad guy that I'm not going to interview, but and tomorrow I'm going to say DeSantis is a great guy, that's kind no, of no, Machiavellian. No, 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 no. And by the way, I'm not criticizing. He's, he could do that. So he what? said DeSantis is a great guy a week ago. He said DeSantis—he made the comments about DeSantis a week ago when he said, I think DeSantis would make a great president. Yeah. And then on this one, he says, I would never have Trump on the podcast. Uh, and by the way, he's consistently stayed in the same position about Trump for a while. Mm -hmm. He's not a, mm -hmm. he saw right. Trump as an entertainer. Right. He saw Trump, he called him Teflon, nothing bothers him, all this stuff. And he handles it, you know, he handles the criticism that it comes. But, you know, I'm sure he's had many chances to have Trump on. He hasn't had him on. But it's interesting. The, the only thing I'm saying is maybe he kind of wants to influence the next election. And by the way, to, to be honest with you, I think this next debate that comes up, uh, all these other guys, who are you going to get? You're going to get Wallace? You're going to get who? I think the, the I think the media is dumb if they don't realize that the next debate You can just stop it. Be, media is dumb. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the next debates have to be held by guys like, you know, podcast form where guys can give a 10-minute answer, 15-minute answer, 20-minute like answer. Instead of two minutes. No no American voter wants a two minute answer. They've proven they don't mind three hour podcasts. The, the America's not just a million people, hundreds of millions yeah. of people worldwide have said we are very comfortable with three hour podcasts. Well, so those of us in journalism school were taught about agenda setting. I mean, agenda setting is what journalists do, and it's crap. And I couldn't agree with more with what you just said, Patrick, because unfortunately, more often than not, they set that agenda during those debates. So the candidates don't get an opportunity to be real or talk about mm -hmm. things that matter or even talk about things that matter to the American people. They get to talk about things that have been chosen or screened by those members of the media, yeah. mm -hmm. the meet the press assholes, right? So, you know, uh, that's not really the conversation that America wants to hear. I, I could yeah. not agree with you more. Do a free-for-all. Get three or four people, give them a certain amount of time, let them go after each other, and I'll, I'll, I'll come mm -hmm. away with a perspective. And by the way, it, we say this all the time on the podcast. We hear it from political figures and pundits, whether it's people on the far right or the right side, Roger Stone, Paul Manafort, to uh, people on the left like Jenk Weger or Andrew Yang. People have been all over, and they say... What a refreshing opportunity to sit down and, and just talk. go exactly. for a couple hours where yeah. it's like, all right, Mr. Biden, you're on the clock two minutes. And then yeah. I, uh, 204, and he's like, I think I should stop talking now. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> the, the, the debate format in this country is getting 
stale and old and, and the podcast format going back and forth for a couple hours is the new thing i love and uh, Rick, just really fast not to go off subject but you were talking about the whole agenda and the political driven type of what do you, from cnn point because you used to work at cnn what do you was it always that type of obviously they have a side but like from what you saw during like you know the trump and the four years of trump was what was the difference that you thought from that like was it the same type of attitude? Like just that hardcore of the, just like it, it got destroy. So, it got so personal over there. First of all, they put the guy in office, right? They gave him more media time than any candidate in the history of the United mm -hmm. States. Yeah. They thought it would be funny to put this goofball every time he had a debate or something on camera, because that's how they saw him. They thought he yeah. was a goofball. He's a clown, clown. It's good TV. And every time they had him on, his ratings went up. So Jeb yeah. Bush would have a news conference and they would take him for 30 seconds. Yeah. Uh and, and Trump knew that, so he would create opportunities <laughs> right. to put yeah. You reap what you sow. But, exactly. but then when it happened. Yeah, like, oh, they've shit. got they've got their uh, their their CMO their uh, their Jeff CEO Zucker, Zucker yeah. who's yeah. got a relationship with Trump. So now all of a sudden it becomes personal, and now they start attacking the guy every day for anything, including mm -hmm. the Russia thing, which was crap. Yep. And then they end up with egg on their face. And now where the hell are they? Not, so that's why they're trying to figure themselves for their out. Ratings. We have right. amazing. Rick, we yeah. said this. We said this the other day. We had the podcast. They better pray because MSN and uh, MSNBC and all these numbers are down. They better pray to God that he wins again. They better, because then they'll have more shit to talk about because nobody's watching. I wish nope. they would go out and just hire journalists and do journalism again, because they once did that back in the 1980s, and they were pretty good at it. But today, they don't hire journalists. They hire people who political look good on TV or political activists or actors. I mean, Cuomo, for example. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure he's a perfectly good guy, but I mean, what the hell is he doing doing a television show? Because his brother is the governor, you get a television show? Yeah. Anderson Cooper used to be uh, the host of a uh, reality show. I Vanderbilt. Mean, I could go down the <laughs> list of people who are not journalists, but are wearing the badge of journalists. Well, Rick, let me ask you. And that's not I, I, what we should a, be doing in this country. As a journalist, you've been a journalist for... My whole life. 40 years, yeah. let's say. All right. It didn't... This, this whole lack of integrity and lack of professionalism, ethics... We talk about what a journalism, what a journalist needs to be doing. Mm -hmm. It didn't start. The downfall of journalism didn't start with Trump. Where do you think that started? Like you got canceled in 2010. That's crazy. Where did the where, where did the lack of being a real journalist? Where did that really? What was the tipping point? To of that? be real honest with you, it happened the day they invented ratings that came in every 15. The Nielsen minutes. ratings yeah. or what? Yeah, when you can actually tell mm. and have data on. Yeah. I had a dancing monkey on. Mm -hmm. Or I did a story about a dancing monkey, and yeah. my ratings went through the roof. So from now on, I'm going to do a lot of dancing monkeys. When was that? Uh, it was like in the late 1980s and the beginning of the 1990s, where they really perfected audience research so we mm -hmm. could know exactly to the moment and to the word what you got back. Like if we only did this show based on the data says we have to yeah. talk today about, uh, you know, whatever, styrofoam cups. So we've got to introduce a topic about styrofoam cups. And they had to do it at exactly five minutes when people who, who like styrofoam cups are watching. Mm -hmm. So the moment that the data took over the message, totally. the message became putrefied. And, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, that's sort of around the time when we went from having the big three, ABC, NBC, CBS, to all of a sudden CNN is a thing. Ten Turner starts that. Or Roger well, Ailes, well, well, Ro Rupert Murdoch start uh, Fox br in the 90s. Brilliant, Adam. Think it through. So you have data collection become yeah. a big part of how we do news. You've got really smart business people out there who then start getting into the business and saying, well, mm -hmm. if we can control the data, we can control the flow. We control the flow, we control the audience size. We control the audience size, we control the ratings, control the money, control the profit, control the revenue. Yeah. Once they did that, very wealthy people came in and took mm -hmm. huge swaths of the journalism outlets, owned them, which then you know concentrated the amount of 
good journalism that was out there, and that's how we got to where. But we isn't that capitalism? I mean, yeah, do we have no. a problem with that? Like, I, I, I'm, let me just. <sighs> If you don't, if you're not familiar question. with Rick and one of the famous, I remember saying, like, I asked a buddy of mine, I'm like, I got Rick Sanchez coming on the podcast. Oh, you remember what Rick Sanchez was famous for? What uh, if it bleeds, it leads. That's right. Remember that whole thing. That's right. If it bleeds, it leads. <laughs> so like, it's part of the part of media where it's like, okay, let's go compete. We're CNN. We're Fox. We're I'm a, I'm a journalist. We got We got a journalist compete. who's now a businessman. So yeah. I understand both parts of it, and I'm l tussling with it. I, mm -hmm. You know, Patrick, I'm sure will tell you as a guy who's been very successful in business, you got to go with that. It takes you. Right? We're in the eyeball business, and, baby. I mean, this you is know, what it is. At the same time, has that data been a positive for what is proper information for the American people? Probably not. Mm -hmm. that, there's, there's, there's the. You know, you know what I think. You know what I think is winning today, though. I think uh, uh, the reason why Joe is winning, Joe's real. I think why these podcasters are winning because they're real. Mm -hmm. And what what they're what the what the mainstream media is paying a price for is they're starting to realize if you constantly remember John Kerry had a shot at winning being a president and then mm -hmm. he went and gave one speech one one speech one place and next week he gave a completely different message and they say what a flip flopper yeah. Yeah. and then boom he lost he should have been the president by the way he's part of the skull and bones and yep. Yale and all that stuff Kerry. and him and Bush and all. he's supposed to be a president Kerry. And he lost. He looks like he looks like Lincoln if you look at him. His height, all that stuff. He just looks presidential. Like a president. He just looks presidential. So what did American voters say? Yeah, we, we we don't like that. We don't mind if you change your mind, but we don't like you trying to deceive us and go from here to there to there. We're not a fan of that. So, you know, and today America's just flat out saying, "Hey, are you real? I don't care if I agree with you or not, but are you real? Mm -hmm. Okay, cool." Hey, Bill Maher seems real. I don't agree with him, but he's real. I value that. Mm -hmm. Russell Brand seems real. I don't agree with him, but I value that. Hey, Joe Rogan seems real. I don't know if I agree with him, but I value that. We are starting to show that there's a lot of value in the currency of being real. Yeah. Right. There's a lot of value in the currency of being able to reason and have a disagreement with somebody, that you, but you're able to sit down and have that. We're valuing those things, which is a mm -hmm. great thing, by the way. Those currencies being valued, again, it's a fantastic thing because mm -hmm. it forces everybody to be what? Uh, uh, I, I identify that you have some flaws, mm -hmm. you have some weaknesses, you ain't perfect, and that's the American vote. Yep. The American vote relates to that. They don't uh, agree, relate to the perfect person that's looking perfect. No, no, no. We don't relate mm -hmm. to you, bro. Yeah. Yeah. We relate to these other guys that are flawed. Yep. And by the way, what does it matter? They're in a dying industry, right? So- mm -hmm. Whatever they did, you're saying legacy media, on yeah. TV on whatever, cable? whatever you we were just talking about with CNN and all that, CNN it's Plus. almost they're irrelevant. So what does it matter what they're doing? Yeah, Their but, audience is 70 years old. Yeah, but the, some of them are being smart enough, and they've already done it. And made the move to YouTube already. I mean, exactly. Fox presence on YouTube is massive. What, 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 CNN. What, what, I mean, what will matter is is valuetainment. That's what will matter. Agua Media will matter. Yeah. Joe Rogan will matter. The future of media is these types of expressive conversations right. until something maybe comes along and pollutes us and mm. makes us lose our way. Well, and and that's my point. Follow the money, FTM. I mean, so basically what Pat's saying is keeping it real. That's the reason that Rogan's got a voice. That's the reason that we've got a voice. It's the reason that Alex Jones has got a voice. These third party Young Turks has got a voice because they at least keep it real. Because I feel like with the legacy media, and you could speak to this better than anyone probably on this panel, 
is that whether you're on Fox or whether on CNN, I feel like if you pull back the curtain, Wizard of Oz style, it's actually this entire podcast, this entire platform is brought to you by right. Allegra, Big Pharma, who just gave you $10 trillion to advertise. So like that's the part of keeping it real in legacy media and mainstream media. It's like, what's really happening behind the scenes is who's really paying the bills. And that's what it comes down to. I think that's why people don't yeah. distrust mainstream media. No, yeah. Patrick's right. People need to get a sense that they're hearing you. Yeah. yeah, you, your so, gut. So check this out. So, the, the, so California right now is going through what they're going through, and you know I feel something happened in the last couple weeks where the Democratic Party had a meeting with the Obamas. Pure speculation. I have, this is not inside information. I know nothing. I'm just speculating because they suddenly went from Obamas to Newsom. Okay, they suddenly went mm. from Obama to Newsom. So has it been a conversation to try to convince Michelle to run or not? I don't know. Hmm. Was it an idea to say highest Q score for a woman that if she runs one of the highest Q scores, she can win, slam dunk, et cetera, et cetera? And she says, I just don't want that life. Now they're thinking, who do we have to prep? Because Biden's not going to be running. It ain't going to be Kamala. America mm -hmm. does not like Kamala. I haven't even heard all. her. What is she and, doing? And America doesn't like Kamala. They don't like Kamala more than they don't like Biden. Like, yeah. if, if they don't like Biden, Kamala's beating Biden in likability, right? I think you may be right. But, but Michelle may have said no. And they said no, and they said, who's the next person? They have to go and draft the yeah, next person. They're like, hey, Newsom. let's get Newsom. So let's spin the story. What's the story? Well, didn't they try to recall Newsom? No. The fact that he won by 63% vote, it just shows that's who America wants. It just shows that's exactly who America wants. America wants a Newsom. America wants a winner like him. And they're going to spin that, right? The spinning marketing game is taking place. And this whole thing with what happened with LGBT, I don't know if you guys saw the story or not, which is very interesting that. So he goes and takes a vacation where? So this guy goes. Montana, uh, uh, yeah, Montana. California Governor Newsom enjoys Montana vacation despite LGBTQ state travel ban. This is a New York Post story. California's Democratic governors have joined some R&R in Montana this week despite Big Sky Country being the one of 20 states to which the Golden State Bar uh, bars official state-funded travel over laws deemed uh, discriminatory uh, against LGBTQ. It was revealed Tuesday that Newsom had gone to Montana where his in-laws own a ranch and was expected back at work July 11th. In response, Newsom spokesperson Anthony York tweeted, the travel ban applies to using state funds. The governor's travel is not being paid by the state. Connecting the two is an attempt at gotcha journalism. That is neither gotcha nor journalism. The governor is on vacation with his family. He will return later, later this week. Uh, despite York's statement, it was unclear whether Newsom and his family were accompanied by security on their visit on how the security was paid for if they were there. So these types of stories that are coming out with what's going on with uh, Montana. Another story with when he went to French Laundry, a little bit of hypocrisy. Exactly, big hey, you say you're for this, then why are you going over here? And the other side is who gives a shit where the guy wants to go on vacation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But why if you want to use state-funded stuff. But the, all I'm saying is, you know, I have a feeling the party, it's like when you're an NBA team and you were hoping to land Durant and you don't der get Durant and you get stuck with Lou Dang. You know, you get stuck with somebody, you're like, shit, I got to take that $21 million a year contract for three years because there's nothing else in the market. People are trying to land Michelle. They don't have Michelle. Newsom may be the candidate for 2024. Here, let me give you the what we're going to be voting for. Pence, Cheney versus Newsom, Michelle. Really? Excuse me? Pence. Pence for president? Pence, Cheney. There's some stories that just 
started filtering out late yesterday afternoon that I started reading where Republican donors are going to start, according to some of my sources, making a pitch for matching Pence on top of the ticket, Cheney, Liz, on the bottom of the ticket, because they are over the Trump drama and they need two people who are going to be able to solidify the Republican Party. And that's the direction they're Trump, going in. There's no yeah, way but, Trump will... But, Rick, I know that you don't believe that. No, I You're don't. You're citing no, a yeah, story, yeah, yeah. No, right? Of course. Because that's not I'm, realistic. I'm, I'm, I'm just telling Mike you Pence is there. not controlling the Republican MAGA party. That's not happening. Yeah. Like, I almost got hung a couple weeks ago. <laughs> so what happens if the establishment pushes that? There's no there's establishment no anymore. There's, That's there, a good point. The establishment's gone. It's, it's Trump's Donald party. Trump. It's the MAGA party. I but you're know. underestimating the power of the donors in America. I'm not I, th- under- I think you're underestimating McConnell, the power Liz of American Cheney, donors. And I'm not a Trump Adam. guy. They've got zero pull in that party anymore. The, maybe within Washington in the Pence corridors. Cheney. Mm-hmm. Pence Cheney's got no... Poll, poll with who? The voters go or lower, the, go the, the donors? All right, let me read this here. 2024 ticket the Vice President Pence, Shane Wyoming, Liz Cheney might just be the thing that saves the Republican Party and our Republic since oh, Donald God. Trump's de- descent in a golden escalator in 2015. There has been too many offers on Republicans. Okay, so great. Fine. If you want to say that, then tell us why Trump is 141 and 11 with his endorsement. He's killing it. So why? why so listen. DeSantis, if he runs, he's got a shot. Agreed. You, n- Agreed. Michelle runs high, mm. high chance of winning as the face, not as a VP, as the face if she runs. If if Michelle and Newsom run, Michelle lead Newsom, she would mm. have to win the nomination. That'd be interesting if that were to take place. This would be... Not so toxic, by the way. Obviously. Right? Ooh, Pence, Pence, Cheney, Pence Cheney is not, it doesn't it never toxic. Happen. It would never happen. It's just the same way people were saying Kasich would not be toxic. Kasich was a you know good guy. He's not a number one. Yeah. Uh, Biden won, not because he's a number one. Biden, <laughs> at best, is a you know sh- he was dire- director but, of operations. Yeah. Well, he, he he was, he's he not was even a C-suite. Put there but, by yeah. the party. Yeah, he was yeah. put there by the party yeah. to no go question. up against you know a uh, Trump. But uh, through least yeah, damage, Trump pulls Pence Pan- Pan- Cheney. Man, that doesn't I just sound good. See that. I just don't see Pence Cheney. I don't see that at all. Yeah, I don't. I don't see, see them Cheney. coming out of the Republican primary, and I don't see Democrats being like, "Okay, we're gonna take our Pence guy." That's it's. I guess the argument is they want to go back to the middle, right? And uh, yeah, is there? But to your we question, which is a really astute question, that. Adam is. Is there enough juice in the middle to no. be able to support something like I, that I had without a splitting the party? I had horribly. a conversation with. Remember our friend Joe? He's gonna be. He's gonna cry when he hears this part of the podcast. I called him. We called him on the phone, and I said, "Joe, this guy is maggot out. Trump, like Rush Limbaugh, is his hero." <laughs> and I said, "Who do may he rest in peace?" Yeah. yeah. Uh, who do you and on speaking on behalf of the MAGA community, the Trump community, hate more? Democrats or rhinos? He goes, it's not even close. What do you think his answer was? The Lucchinis of the world. He goes, we cannot stand the 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 toe-the-line Republican Ah, rhinos. The Mitt Romneys of the world, the Liz Cheneys of the world, the Adam Kinzingers of the world, and now somehow Pence, I guess, is in that world now because he's out of MAGA world, I guess. He goes... Because at least Democrats, as wrong as they are, have a freaking spine and a backbone. They're wrong, but they stand up. He goes, those people will bend for anything. This was his perspective. Interesting. He's basically saying that 
And I think most Republicans so, are MAGA now. But if that's the Those case... Those people are dinosaurs in the Republican Party. But, but the guys, Republican Party for Reagan, the Republican Party that was, no longer exists. It's Trump's party, it's the MAGA party, and we'll reap what they sow. But if that's the case, guys, then what will happen if there are enough donors, for starters, who seem to be, according to some of the stories that we're seeing filter... That they're a little concerned because of the January 6th committee hearings, that they're trying mm -hmm. to take their money away from Trump, that they're going to start giving the money to DeSantis and to uh, Pence and to Liz Cheney, whoever the hell they choose. What happens to the party? Does it disintegrate? I mean, what happens to the Republican Party if if that feud... That Same thing that's happening war, to the Democratic Party, because the Democratic Party is also divided between the socialists and the Democrats. It's, it's a... You know, maybe even in three different categories of Democratic Party. You got the Socialists, you got the Democrats, and you got the Tulsi Gabbard the, and the Andrew Yang community because yeah. mm -hmm. neither Andrew Yang nor Tulsi are Democrats. They're more center left. Uh, then you have the traditional Democrats, say Biden, Hillary, yeah. you know, Obama's all that. Then you have the Socialist Democrats, You're which right, is Bernie's. what, you know, Bernie's, well, We've already AOC, seen this in the Democratic guys. Party with yeah. Nader. Ralph Nader split That's the right. party and cost them the That's election. Right. Will that now happen in the Republican Party? That was what, 2000? It was uh, Bush, Gore, Nader, right? Two thousand, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so the question here yeah, yeah. for us is: Is that about to happen? I just don't think there's Here's any question, appetite though. for Pence at the top of a ticket. No way. How many for people? Anyone. How many people? Uh, how many followers does Lincoln Project have? Not, how many follow not not Twitter followers, but Avid I mean, is followers? how many? How many? How many followers from Lincoln Project to say, come up with a candidate and I'll vote for you? How how big is Lincoln Project's influence? That's what you got to be thinking about. Uh, I think to point Tyler's point is that it's the, their influence is with you know what I people with money. Go to Social Blade. Go to SocialBlade.com. Go to SocialBlade.com, and yeah, right there, and and go up top and type in uh, uh, Lincoln Project. Yeah, Lincoln Project. You just may want to spell it right. Uh, there it is. Okay. So this is what? This is their YouTube channel? Uh, yeah, go up a YouTube. little bit, go up a little bit. The, the way you were going, I'm sorry. Go down, go down, go down, go down, go down, go down, go down. Uh-huh. Okay, there you go. Yeah, they're not getting a lot of views. Now watch when the channel got started, by the way. Very weird when they started the channel. Go all the way to the top. It says what date? It's January 6th. Crazy, 2020. Now, go to uh, uh, weird, right? It's very a year before when it happened, weird. actually, because it's not, uh, that's very that's creepy. That's just ironic. Yeah, now go to the Lincoln Project and see their Twitter handle. So put the same thing in, except go to Twitter, okay? Go to Twitter and type in Lincoln Project. The Lincoln Project. Uh, spelled pro-cop. Take your time. That the is, <laughs> it's got a Q in it, buddy. Just mm -hmm. write slow, T-H-E. Tyler's nervous. Lincoln, Lincoln. Projecte. Project. There you go. Twitter. <laughs> Click. Uh, okay, you have to put the whole handle together. On behalf together. of Agua Media, we Let thank me, you for bringing me this copy in the show. Yeah. Thank you very much. You got to put the whole thing together. Spell the whole thing together, and you'll see where I'm going with this. Just put their Twitter handle, which is what? Project Lincoln. Okay. It's called Project Lincoln. So go over the perfect. There you go. Go to Social Plate. Type in Project Lincoln. Press search. Go up. Go up, go, go, keep going down. Okay, so check this out. You know what that is? Let me tell you what that is. Yeah. Forget about that at 2.7 million. They're not gaining followers today. Nope. So meaning no one gives a shit about them today. That means it's over. Cheney and Pence don't stand a chance mm -hmm. at winning. Because if that was 5,000 a day, 8,000 a day, 9,000 a day, 3,000 a day. That's their they're in trouble. Dude, that's the last two weeks. Look at the last two weeks. Right. Look, as a matter of fact, go to 30 days. Go up a little bit and go to 30 days. Uh, mm. You can actually increase that to uh, detailed statistics. Go to the top and click on detailed statistics. So go lower. It'll give you 30 days. That's 30 days. Look at that. 
one for a two point seven million pero, Twitter accounts going up like yeah. that. But Patrick, let me let me push uh -huh. back. Pero, on Patrick, but, but by the way, pero, while, while he's doing this, yeah. pull up AOC. While he's doing this, pull up AOC. Go if, ahead. If we are going to agree that the politics in America is very much donor driven and money, as we've learned with Joe Biden, who was probably the least competent candidate even among the Republican, uh, the, the pardon me, the Democratic field, which was very weak to begin with, right? But somehow the party, the donors, the money pushed him to the top above everybody else. Then could we not assume that it doesn't really matter at this point how many people you got? Check us out. Once the money kicks in, this could all change. All right, let me tell you. Let me just show you this here. Look but at that's AOC. my argument. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to respond back to that. Look all at right. this here. Go up and show them who this is we're looking at. AOC. A girl named AOC. I don't know if you've heard her. She's pretty famous. Latin AOC, 13.19 yeah. million followers. Let's see how she's doing the last 30 days. Look at that. Keep going up. 36,000 followers in a day. 22,000 followers in a day. Lincoln Project, their, her worst day isn't their best 30 days combined. Combined, wow. Combined, okay? Wow. That's a threat. This is a real threat of people wanting to now... Go type in DeSantis. Let's see how DeSantis is doing. Told you she's going to be okay. the president. So, so I don't think Cheney and um, Pence can beat DeSantis. I don't think Cheney and Pence can beat Trump. I think they're uh, – remember when there was a guy named Scott Walker? Oh, Scott Walker is going to be president. Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Governor, oh, he's, he's governor Wisconsin. Boom. A that month later. Oh, no Governor Perry. And <laughs> no. So you have to have charisma nowadays. You have to have yeah. charisma nowadays. And who do you think would be more attractive, uh, AOC or Look Gavin Newsom? He's growing. AOC or Newsom? <laughs> attractive. Well, th yeah. you're saying now? She's <laughs> no. not, she can't no, even call No, I'm, I'm saying attractive. Physically? Yeah. Physically. Yeah. Newsom. But Good looking I, couple. Can I, can I say one thing about the Lincoln Project? Because this speaks to the exact same reason that CNN ratings are tanking and right, MSNB exactly. is tanking. Yeah. And exactly what Vinny essentially talked about is all roads lead to Trump. That's it. Okay? The reason that Lincoln Project is fleeting and there's no... Because Trump's out of office. Their whole point of Lincoln Project was the they're a never Trump movement. Right. They got him out of office. Yeah. All right, guys. Let's, the band's done. Yeah. Right? The whole point of CNBC... Sorry, MSNBC and CNN was talk about Trump, talk about Trump. Let's get him out of office. He's the worst. Now he's out of office. Look at your rankings. Look at your ratings. So I'm not shocked by anything like this. This is... All roads lead back to Trump. And that's essentially my point is with Pence and Liz Cheney. Mm -hmm. they, 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 okay. These are afterthoughts. Let's go to another story. So teachers in Florida, okay, uh, page seven, largest teachers union. Florida is 9,000 teachers short for the upcoming year. This is a, uh, 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 let me see this story here. Uh, largest teacher, 9,000 short in the state of Florida. Industry experts say the problem is pretty simple. Nobody wants to be a teacher anymore. For multiple reasons, it seemed less and less like a viable, fulfilling career option. The regional director of Teach for America said the solution is simple. Take steps to make teaching an attractive career once again. A Florida Education Association report has shown more than 9,500 9, teaching and support staff positions across the state of Florida are vacant. It says the shortage is so wide-ranging that more than 450,000 Florida students may have started last school year Without full-time certified teachers in their classroom, <laughs> a survey of high school students found that only 5% were interested in becoming teachers, and that survey was from four years ago. What do you think is going on here with these teachers? I am. I think it speaks to where we are, and I, I hate to go back to the same thing, but that's a great gig. That's a great gig. That's a nice job. That's an honorable profession. No money. It's fun. 
it's it's you're 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 changing lives. And if we're at a place in this country where we can't get people to want to take a decent job, yeah, you're not going to make a, a lot of money. I mean, but I they, guess, they, they I guess it all depends. Too. If you're Latino, you're making a lot of money. Yeah, I, I remember once. <laughs> I was listening to, um, God, who's the big tall guy who used to be on uh, Fox News? He and I used to go at it all the time. Uh, O'Reilly, right? Bill O'Reilly. And I remember he, he went on, he was interviewed once and he said, I grew up, I grew up poor in America. My dad was a, a, a postman. He was the, the letter carrier, you know, mailman, as we used to call him. Um, and I thought to myself, that's poor? As a Latino, my, my dad my dad cleaned toilets at the Barcelona Hotel on Miami Beach. And in the daytime, he was also working as a busboy. And then he had a job driving a truck at night. Bill, that's what my dad did. Stop telling people that because your dad is a mailman, you grew up poor. Because you certainly didn't grow up poor. This mindset, not to pick on you, Vinny, because no, I love you like a brother. Yeah. Pero this mindset that, oh my God, she's a teacher. She doesn't make a lot of money. That's damn good money. They make thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars. I don't care. That's that's pretty good money. You can make a living and you could raise a family well, out of that but stuff. Pat, Pat had a Pat, it was a couple. Why of don't people want these jobs? Is what I'm well, saying. Same Pat. They're underappreciated. They don't like dude. A teacher, I think, is is one of the most important things to give people. Dude, a teacher's made us, and we Pat talked about it. They don't get they don't get the acknowledgement. They don't get the credit. And I'm sorry. Thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars in this in this day and age is nothing, and they. I think it's a, like you said, they're reinventing and they're moving a certain. Way. They're, I know, going, they're I, going somewhere. I, else. I know a lot of Latino friends of mine who would die for thirty five thousand dollar job. And by the way, well, if you want to be appreciated, them, yeah, tell them like work in Florida. If you yeah. want to be appreciated, get a dog. Okay, just you know, uh, <laughs> you, you, well, you got an opportunity to do something. You got an opportunity to make a difference. You get to go to work, sit in a place that's air conditioned every day, affect people's lives, and you're going to say, "No, that's beneath me." Come on, well, there's, there's something wrong with our country. If that's beneath Rick, us. there's a lot of Latinos in Florida. Why don't you encourage yeah, them to on, become teachers? Do, they we need, need teacher jobs. Tyler, 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 why do you think this is happening? Anything outside of what we've said, why do you think this is happening? It's interesting. I mean, you look at um, you look at the people that are becoming teachers now, and they're more and more activists. They're more and more focused on themselves. They want to project their beliefs onto kids they want to you know it's like you see <laughs> libs of tiktok is a funny one but it, really look at the the average teacher who's teaching kids now coming out of college they're activists they're not interested in helping the youth grow and really educate and help them learn they're interested in indoctrinating them and i think there's i think there's been an interesting loss of that idea of actually educating not just indoctrinating not just pushing beliefs but actually teaching somebody something history uh, the great classic works, I mean, how to be a better person. I mean, like really true education. And I think there's such an interest in myself pushing what I believe, pushing my personal desires onto people that... Yeah, you know, you know what I'm... You know, I, I kind of butchered it, but if it makes sense. I mean, there's a few ways I, I, I think about this. One, if this is... The, if you think about 9,000 teachers to me, how many students per teacher? Is it fair to say 30? I'd say 30. Okay, so that's 270,000 kids, right, if you think about it. Mm -hmm. That's 270,000 kids if it's 9,000 teachers short. So are you doing the numbers to see what it is? Uh, one in 15, is that what it is in, US, in uh, mm -hmm. Florida? Mm -hmm. Okay, so 9,015, 135. So let's just say 150 to 300,000 students are being affected by this. Okay, so how do you handle this? Do you handle it by given a bump? Do you handle it by lowering the requirement to be a teacher? 
do we get the data to see these 9,000 student, 9,000 teachers that is shortage? Is it in elementary? Is it in junior high? Is it in high school? What's the breakdown? What, what's the definition of a teacher? Could it be kindergarten? How are they processing this? And then if you're thinking about the future of education, does this mean the education route has to be changed? Is it more uh, online? Is it more homeschooling? What direction is this going to be going? Because a lot of these types of stats that you see is a byproduct of certain you know, laws, certain new guidelines, rules, a direction, certain industry is going where people say, I just want to don't, I don't want to do this job. I'd, I'd be so interested to know more of the data of what category these 9,000 teachers are in. Hmm. I'd be curious to know. But to me, 9,000, I, I don't know how far the story is going to go, I, how much more we're going to hear can about it. I give it. you some data? Yeah. Since, yeah. Uh, we want to go data with it. So what percentage of teachers do you think are women? Most. 75% yeah. are women. Majority. Okay. okay. So the, and the average age of a teacher is 42 years old. Yeah. So if I'm a woman and I'm in my early 30s, mid 30s, 42 is the average, and I'm looking and I'm seeing what's going on all around me. You said libs of TikTok, right? All right. So if I'm a attractive kindergarten teacher and I'm making 42 grand a year and I'm overworked, I'm underpaid. Yeah, I get the summers off. That's cool. And I'm looking around and I'm going down the conspiracy rabbit hole here, but I'm a young, attractive woman. And I see what's going on at girls on OnlyFans and, and yeah. COVID and lockdown and masks and kids and snot and flu and COVID. And Becky down the street is uh, doing OnlyFans. $250,000 a month. Yeah, exactly. Just printing money, showing off her. And she's like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm out. I'm going to go do something else. I'm going to go. I'm not wait, saying wait, that they're what, only going to What school did you go to where every female teacher was hot? <laughs> There's some, I'm just <laughs> I'm saying. I'm sorry. What school did you go to like Hooter, Hooters Junior High School? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I grew, <laughs> obviously, you didn't meet Mrs. McElvain. <laughs> you know, well, I grew up in well, my I had a Mrs. So Angulo, but <laughs> I, it wasn't everybody. But the, it's a big the, difference. I don't know, Mrs. The reality is most teachers are females, and they're just like... But if you're, if we've got, uh, but if I think we, I'm over this nonsense. If we've gotten to a point in this country where you're going to turn down, as I'm reading here, an average salary, starting salary in the state of Florida of between forty-four thousand and fifty-one thousand dollars, because some idea and the summer's off, as you said, mm -hmm. because you have some. Oh, I don't like the way they're saying this, or I don't like the way they're doing that. I don't know, man. What do you I mean? Just, like they don't like the way they're saying? This well, whatever, doing. whatever it is that they don't like, they don't like the fact that the. The, the whatever the political argument of the of the mm -hmm. moment is, I mean, my gosh, it still seems to me like you're passing up right. on a, on a hell of an opportunity. Yeah, you know. So what does that say about our society that people don't need that job? Well, Once again, the Rick Sanchez Agua Media message: We need more well, Mexicans. Well, <laughs> I, I, to, what does it say about our society is that people don't want to work hard anymore. They'd Thank rather get you. rich quick. They'd rather pump their money into Bitcoin or Dogecoin or sit around and do a uh, 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 OnlyFans video. So, Why would you want to go to work? Work your ass off dealing with snot-nosed kids to make forty grand a year when you could just turn on a video cam at home and do OnlyFans. I know that that's an extreme example, right? But that's the reality. I'd re a lot of people want to get rich quick and not have to work hard, and that's unfortunately the reality of it. Yeah. Either way, it's uh, it's a sad commentary on the times we live in in America right now when you look at some numbers like that. So, so next story. I'm going to go page five. This has to do with oil and gas. Which, if this story is true, this is a very annoying story. So here we go. So Biden allowed 5 million barrels from National Reserve to go abroad. This is a Daily Mail story. 
Uh, he shipped five million bar- barrels from the United States to uh, strategic oil reserve rod uh, uh, after claiming that releasing them would help ease Americans' pain at the pumps. The president faces accusations of a sneaky sleight of hand as it was revealed that between a fifth and a sixth of the reserve oil he bragged about releasing to boost supply made its way offshore to Europe and Asia in June. Biden authorized the release of a million barrels a day from April onwards, but his action has done little to combat soaring gas prices, with the national average sitting at 474 as of Tuesday, still far above the 228 a gallon average uh, from just before he took office, from 228 to 474. Five million barrels abroad to Europe and Asia, and then and, and then one like how explain to me we we we're mess we're effed up with gas we're in a shortage, explain to me how you think sending all that overseas is going to help us? How, what the what does that even mean? Like we're sending we don't have it. You guys are paying for it. We're sending it. How is that going to make the price go down? Like, ex- like it would seem. What? To, it would seem to me that every decision that has been made by the Biden administration associated with this Ukraine invasion, as we describe it, has been nothing short of disastrous for the American people. While it has been good for Raytheon to a certain extent, obviously because they want more weapons, and the Democrats could not push for more wars and more weapons because they take money from the Raytheons and the Lockheed Martins of the world. And I can share with you the numbers, and they're kind of disgusting. How much their profits have gone up since the uh, Ukrainian situation started. But also, from an energy standpoint, the American people are getting hosed because of Biden's policies having to do with Ukraine and everything. And that, and by the way, that's not to say that I'm agreeing with freaking Putin and what he's done in Ukraine. Obviously but not. the way we've handled it, those who are being hurt by it are the American people and certainly not uh, you know, some some of Biden's donors, for example. So yeah. the whole thing just really smells. The whole thing stinks to high heaven. So uh, I don't think we can get away from that. And I think it's going to be something Biden's going to be dealing with for quite some time. His foreign policy, by the way, sucks. So so, so, so here's, a, here's a question for you, Adam. Here's a question for uh, any one of you guys here, but specifically, Adam, curious, curious what you have to say. How many of the people that voted for Trump and were true believers of Trump flipped on him? What percentage? Since the January 6th hearings? During his first three years, minus COVID. What percentage of the people that voted for Trump flipped on him in the first three years saying, this is a terrible vote, I should have never voted for Oh, very few. Okay, so how many people who voted for Obama three months, three years later said, you know what, a terrible vote, I should never vote for Obama? Very few. I agree. Of course. How many people flipped on Bush three years later saying, horrible vote, I should have never voted for Bush? Uh, A lot because of the Iraq war. War. Okay, fair. How many people said that with uh, uh, Clinton three years later? Uh, Not a lot. Pre-Monica, none. Pre-Monica. Again, everything I'm saying, pre-Monica, pre-COVID, pre-pre, right? How many people within the first three years who voted for Biden are saying, what the hell did I just do? A lot. Very good question. What do you think that percentage is? Because it's not like it's Republicans are being so loud. Stop throwing the guy under the bus. Give the guy a second chance. No, no. His own people who voted for him are throwing him under the bus at this point. And that percentage is a big percentage of people yeah. who voted for this yeah. guy. I think I, Pat, I think they they're realizing now it was like uh, you know when you when you buy something just you just like you just want to purchase it. It's they, an impulse. Impulse, but it was an impulse vote because you know COVID and the media and it, with that 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 whirlwind was it was Trump and Trump. Oh, he said it came from China. Racist. All that that whirlwind. They were like, all right, mm-hmm. listen, anything will do. They could have literally had a weekend at Bernie's dead body. 
which Biden kind of is, they would have voted for anybody. And now, now that they're seeing it, now that their wallets are hurting, they're like, oh, shit. We were, I mean, kind of got duped into it, although, but now you're stuck with it. Well, though, Vince, to a certain extent, presidencies are circumstantial. Mm-hmm. You are a uh, byproduct of the circumstances that you inherit. To be fair with Trump or to be fair with Obama or to be fair with anybody, even this Mr. Mr. Sleepy, Um, there are some things you could cogently say that he has had laid upon him which were very difficult to manage. That said, that's your fucking job. I agree. (laughs) Okay? FDR didn't say, oh, these freaking Nazis, this is not fair. No. Nazis are there. You got to take them on. Yep. You know, uh, when Obama had to deal with the meltdown, you know, give him credit. He dealt with it. I don't necessarily like the way he dealt with it, but he dealt with it and he helped it. So you got to deal with what you're dealt, man. Those are the cards. Here. You got you got an ace? Mm-hmm. No, you got no aces. Oh, sorry. And, uh, you know, people will say that it's a circumstantial situation for Biden. But on top of the fact that he's had tough circumstances, I will give him that. This inflation situation was not made by him. Mm-hmm. Um He's not dealing with it properly, nor is he capable of dealing with it properly because he's not a strong leader. That's my point. Great. Uh, I, I think <laughs> I think it's going to be very interesting how much worse it can get under him. Like he's not even wanted to come out. Like this one lady, Democratic strategist, just said the following. I just want to read this one quote to you and mm-hmm. we'll go to the last story, which is the Highland Park. It's infuriating, said one top uh, Democratic strategist, venting frustrations about Biden and his team. Our house is on fire, and it seems like they're doing nothing to put out the fire. They're just watching it with the rest of us. So meaning, here's the policies you said you were going to go through. You have the house. You have every. It's all you, and you can't get shit done. We thought you are going to get everything done. Now what do we do? It's <laughs> catastrophic. Midterms, I just can't wait for midterms to see yeah, what man. happens there. Last story, Highland Park. Okay. Dolly. Tragic event on what happened in Highland Park. Dolly. Um Fourth uh, of July shootings, uh, suspect, uh, suspect charged with seven counts of first degree murder. On Tuesday, the Lake uh, County State Attorney Eric Reinhardt announced that a suspect, Robert Cremo III, has been charged with seven counts of first degree murder in connection to the mass shooting at Highland Park Fourth of July parade. We anticipate dozens of more charges centering around each of the victims, psychological victims. Physical victims, attempted murder charges, aggravated discharge uh, 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 discharge charges, aggravated battery charges. There will be dozens more charges against Mr. Cremo, but these seven counts of first-degree murder will lead to a mandatory life sentence should he be uh, convicted without the possibility of parole. Uh, and then you have a couple other stories. I'll read one of them here to you. Uh, uh, Highland Park tells, uh, um, boom, uh, police flagged Highland Park shooter clear and present danger in 2019. He later cleared four background checks. Robert Bobby Cremo III, 21 years old, a suspect in a mass shooting that killed seven people and wounded dozens of others on 4th of July parade, was still able to clear state-required background checks to purchase firearms on at least four separate occasions between 2020 and 2021, the Illinois State Police reported. In September 2019, ISP received a clear and present danger report on the subject from the Highland Park Police Department. The report was related to threats the subject made against his family and uh, not willing to move forward on a complaint. Next thing you know, obviously, this is documented and the event takes place. you have any thoughts on this, Adam? I mean, at this point, we're just going to go run around in circles and talk about what needs to get done here. And, you know, background checks, uh, health mental health the gun it's it, it, it just we're just talking in circles here you talked about you shot a video and you're like oh we need a after uvalde uh how-to video what can we do about gun control 
and you talked about, well, I think we need to redo the video because of this shooting. And then I, not even sarcastically, I said, well, don't wait too long to do that because there's going to be another shooting. <laughs> and that's the, the look, we're going to talk in circles here. The, the kid, somehow his father co-signed to get the gun and he passed these uh, background checks. Somehow this kid, you showed a video today that he reenacted what he would do in a and school shooting. And nobody said nothing. So yep. I, I think, you know, extreme times, drastic times, call for drastic measures. I'm going to give an angle that nobody I don't hear talking about. The family of this person or the family of any shooter, what happens to them? Nothing. What happens, like, I, I understand that the, the father didn't pull the trigger or the, the grandma or the uncle. Paul. But these people have a complete lack of regard for human life. But I assume at some in some level in their life, this person cares about his grandma or cares about his dad or his family or his sister. And I'm not saying that those people need to go to jail over this. But that family, something needs to happen to have accountability. Whereas as you're about to, this fucking kid dresses up as a woman, covers up his tattoos, and he's going on a roof and he's about to shoot a bunch of people. And he knows that he's going to say, all right, once I do this, I'm going to jail the rest of my life or I'm going to die. And that's it. He's only thinking about himself. But in the back of your mind, if you're an active shooter and you're thinking, whoa, hold on. This is really my entire family is going to uh, face the ramifications of this. Or my grandma is going to go to jail. I'm going way completely yeah, off the or, deep or, end. I like, I like Maybe that, that will, be like, oh, will trigger, no pun intended, something in him to say, you know what? I love my family too. I hate myself. I hate people. The girl that didn't want to kiss me in school. Yeah. The video game. My butt. Like something me. extreme needs to be done here because if it's still red flag laws, background checks, mental health, you know, accessibility to guns, it's the same fucking talking yeah. points. We need to do something different. And you know what tripped me out about this story? When I heard this and how it's crazy how this happened in Chicago, right? How this gets only this type of mass shooting got. It's there, you know, people are still talking about it's all big. Do you know how many mass shootings are? And you talked about this, Adam, a couple podcasts ago. Yeah. It's like three or more people, right? Uh, Chicago from September of May uh, 2018 till till today, 811 people killed or injured in mass shootings. Mm -hmm. This this one's the only one that gets. This past weekend, I think there was like 80 or uh, some people shot, and like I think another nine yeah. or ten on top of this. It's just crazy how that gets story. It's those people that were at the parade that matter, but all the people that are getting killed, all the minorities inside but, Chicago, that mayor, whoever's the mayor of Chicago, I get it. Horrible job. What do you do? Like, like we keep talking about changing everything. You guys got to do. How do you? How do you still have a job as a mayor of Chicago? I know it's a fun, whoever comes in, it's horrible. None of them are really doing anything. Here's a crazy thing about this this uh, this guy. His father ran against the current mm -hmm. Highland Park's mayor as a mayor mayoral race. I don't know if you got what I just said. Yeah, the, the Democratic the, the killers. The 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 guy that yeah, this dad. his dad ran against the current mayor of the city where oh, he did wow. the shooting. Wow. That's that's a little that's, creepy that's right little there. The story, yeah. When you hear the story, I think the takeaway is when your son shows up at home and he has a tattoo on his forehead and on his cheek, you've got a problem and don't let him get a gun. Or when they right. wear those tight tight uh, army I mean, shoes, that yeah. And, and you know, people, we're, we're my dad would have kicked my yeah. ass if I would have shown up. I mean, my dad used to not let yeah. me come into the house without having to look at him in the eye. Yes. The shit about you get into your house late at night when your parents are asleep. Yeah, of course. You know what my dad would do? He went to sleep in my bed to make sure I had to wake him up. <laughs>
But and then the, I had to face him to make a, sure a, I wasn't stoned or drunk or I had something else going there's on. There's a lot of that's Gen called Z. accountability. I agree. I agree. And I, there's a lot of Gen Z younger kids where like it's cool to get tattoos on your face. So I'm not saying just because you get a tattoo no. on your face you're going to become a killer. But this like this guy was a clear and present danger. That's that's the what police said it. Like, yeah. marked him as that in 2019. And then his father sponsored his. Gun. So here's my point. The father didn't do anything wrong. Or the per uncle. Se. They lived in the same house. The okay. uncle, the father, and his but son. And they. And when he was interviewed, he said, "I didn't know." Something new anything. needs to happen where the father, the uncle, the grandma—they all need to go to fucking jail. <laughs> okay, I, I, okay. It sounds bombastic and sarcastic. No, this the, one guy took down seven lives. So what? We're gonna just punish the kid, and he I, goes to jail. I like what Adam. Something Adam, drastic needs to get Adam, done. So this to stop and this. going off your drastic, which I kind of, I kind of like. I thought of it like as you know, we, we let terrorists know because they're you know everybody loves their family. Mm -hmm. If you are a shooter and yeah. you kill, let's say seven people, we're just giving you a heads up. So yes. everybody be on alert. We're gonna kill seven people in your and your family. We're gonna off them. They're gonna okay. be fucked out. Now, now you just show to everybody you're from Iran. Which <laughs> is, which is, yeah, but that's extremely but disturbing. That's the type of extreme measures Pat, that if, they do. Because here's my thing. Nothing. There's no solution. No, nobody's even trying. How about this? A heads up, school shooters. If you shoot somebody, period, in the school, we're going to go after your fucking family and make them suffer. Okay. Can we at Hang least try that? Hang no, on because that wouldn't be legal. And I get that that's not well, the American. Shooting is I get that that's not the American law. way. I get that. If you have a bad kid, you should go to jail. I get that that's not the American Guys, way. But you know what? It's not the American <laughs> Rick, I this, hear you. That podcast extreme. went to complete different <laughs> that's, that's not what our my mom and dad are from Iran, goddammit. <laughs> that's not what our justice system is. Your okay? kid misbehaved. You're but going to jail. You know what also is not the American way? Showing up to salute your country on July 4th and, and getting him. shot the fuck dead yeah. because you wanted we, to, we, we to celebrate your country. Yeah, but so like this person right here needs to be held as a domestic terrorist. On July 4th, he's yes. killing people. You know what that would at do? At a parade. Adam? If you're the parents of a kid that's crazy, kind of, and has tattoos and is a clear and present danger, guess what? That parent's going to be way more involved. Hell yeah. Free shooting. I agree with Adam. Hey, by the, way, by the way, hey, take, are you wearing military boots to school? <laughs> Fuck, stay in the house. You're I'm not, not even, even a crazy bastard. I get that that's not what our justice system is built on. Yeah. But. What says? What says are we going to do here? Says the two, the only two guys in <laughs> right. the room with no kids. Right. Thank you. <laughs> okay, hang on a minute. Let's not forget the Uvalde easy. shooter shot his grandmother in the face. Uvalde, yeah. Like before he went out and killed a bunch of people. Yeah. So I'm not sure how much your theory would yeah. impact. Well, maybe it will slow I, it down a little bit. But again, she should have seen it coming. To be fair, and I, I listen. My daughter's only 19 months. I'm kidding. It by would the way. be more interesting to hear Pat's take on this. But I would feel as a parent, the hardest thing I could do is lose faith in my daughter. Like the hardest thing I could do is lose faith in my child and say, yeah. listen, this is a bad kid. Yeah. This is a bad egg. I need to do something about it. And not to mention, what kind of a fucking slippery slope are you going down when you're now prosecuting family members? I mean, how far and how broad can that be expanded? Okay, I mean, I think yeah. it's what solutions do you have yeah. though? Oh, like, oh, just, yeah, give, where's give the accountability? No, where's the accountability morally, in the house? Morally, your solution is spot on. We're not, we're yeah, not well, disagreeing with you morally. Well, the law, the, fact, the law isn't what helping. You're, what you're essentially saying is parents should start being accountable and responsible yes, for their children by making sure that they're involved and engaged in their children's mm -hmm. lives. And that's a great point that you're making. But when you take it to the point that we need to start prosecuting them for the actions of their children, that gets a little iffy, unless, of course, they bought them a gun or snuck a gun well, in well, there this, or, I'm not, or I'm they not can even, prove they went along I'm with the I'm just saying accountability. I'm not saying it needs to be jail time. Of they course. need to be fined. They we, need to, like, something needs did, to happen <laughs> to these families. Didn't one of those parents go to jail? Those two, the two parents of, I don't know which school yeah. shooting back, yeah. Yeah. two of them got arrested and went to yeah. jail because they gave him this gun. But at what point does this stop being 
a government issue where we just force laws and it actually become a cultural change. I mean, when are we going to realize that this is an issue with the culture in the country right now? Well, how do you change the culture? Start disciplining your kids. You, you, and not, you, you, can't, even, you can't even hey guys, look at kids Stop wrong. playing video games so well, much. No, stop I, watching no, movies. Adam, and I it's think probably stop a watching fucking good you change idea. culture? I think parents, I think parents, listen, I think it was two generations after my, I'm not saying hit, hit your kids. Disciplining your kids became taboo. Listen, can I ask you guys a question? Why did Jordan Peterson all of a sudden become mainstream? Why did Jordan Peterson all of a sudden blow up the way he did? What did he start talking because about? Because he's pushing a message that people are longing about. for. Say that again? He's pushing a message that people, they're, they're longing for it. They're hurting for it. They want to hear it. So he gave a message about what it is to be a man, okay? So he's helping boys become men. He's talking about personal responsibility. Bingo. The 12 rules of life. Clean your bed. You know, make your do this. All these basic to think about. Nothing he said... Is like E equals MC square. Oh my God! <laughs> Everything he said is just basic stuff that you know Logical we were stuff. many yeah, people man. a generation ago were being taught that it skipped a generation that they're not teaching. I'm gonna keep saying this over and over again. This goes back to values and principles. This goes back to values and principles. Choose a religion, okay, that has got the right values and principles, and start telling schools to pray, I don't care what it is, whether it's prayer, values and principles, Ten Commandments, I don't care which one of these it is. Make it a requirement to start teaching basic values and principles. Now, of course, Adam's got a very good point because the responsibility is on the parent. So where this goes even more to, uh, you know, single family household where, you know, there's a single parent household, kids are being raised by that. But this, this has to be the main... If there's any books that you can write right now that I believe will do very well that people want to read, if there's any channels you can create, any content you can create, anything you can write about, anything you can build, your MO of your YouTube channel, your blog, your website, your whatever you're doing, this has this will do very, very well right now the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years. And I don't think this is going to go away anytime soon because most of the churches that are you go to nowadays there a lot of them are out of touch. Mm -hmm. This is being ran by a 72-year-old pastor and he's giving messages that just he has a hard time connecting with the audience. Mm -hmm. I went to a couple of them, one of the biggest churches in Dallas I went to. I sat there on Easter and I said, "Dude, you just don't connect with me. I have a hard time connecting with you. Where's Dudley Rutherford who connected with everybody in LA, right?" I think there's a big opportunity in churches and I think there's a big opportunity for people who are teaching the right morals the right values, and the right principles. Until we start doing that, and by the way, my messaging of what I'm saying, guess how long the ship's going to take with my strategy? How long do you think that's going to take? A long time. 20 Two years. decades. Yeah. Two decades. Yeah. 20 years. By the, Two by, decades. By, by the way, uh, not to bring it back to what uh, I'm doing, but um, I'm going to bring it back to what I'm doing. You will find within the Latino community in the United States and Latinos in general, the adherence to parental obedience is bigger and better than it is in most other cohorts. I, I for agree. some reason, when I fear my dad's going to kick my ass yep. for something I even thought before I did it, I mm -hmm. tended not to do it. And we are raised that way. It's a moralistic kind of teaching, but somehow maybe it comes from Catholicism. I don't know. Uh, maybe it comes from our own sense of uh, Christianity. Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. I'm not saying everybody has to be like uh, think like me because I happen to be a Christian. But something in the Latino DNA makes people less apt 
to want to be lazy and more apt to be want to work and have accept personal responsibility. Uh, and and when I'm doing uh, Rick Sanchez News, my podcast, that's something I constantly try to make sure that I talk about because it's a. Uh, it's about fitting the people to the argument, no matter what the story is on that mm -hmm. day, which which makes me think, as we're discussing this, you're probably going to be less apt to mm -hmm. see that kind of behavior in our community. Well, I think... Which uh, is a good thing, by I, the way. Having Cuban friends, uh, I think it comes down to the chancleta. Yeah. <laughs> they get, they'll, they'll take you uh, a yeah. sandal and they'll hit you yes, over the yeah. head. I don't, I, I don't know what your parents used to hit me what with. My mean? dad was a belt, but... In the Cuban household in Miami, they'll take a My mother used to sit at the front porch in our yeah. house in Hialeah and say, no te voy a pegar, no te voy a pegar. In other words, I'm not going to hit you. I'm not going to hit yeah, you. Come, come on in. I know I'd been bad. And then she'd wait there by the porch. And as soon as I tried to sneak the house, whack, uh, yeah. she would hit me. And I was like, oh, my God. I knew this was going to happen. And <laughs> my, she gets me every day. Accountability. <laughs> my mom cooks a lot. Past. She, she'd have a wooden spoon, like an old school wooden spoon. And we'd do something insane. And she would hit us. And, the, and it broke. Which took her to a whole nother level because it was my now body. Now she stabbed you. That brought, yeah. <laughs> but, I think, but I think, like, especially with the Latino uh, community, and this, I don't think it's a, it's a minority thing, but like Middle Easterns and the disciplining of your kids, and we were scared. The father, like, six words that if your mother said, put you in your place. Six words. Mm. Wait until your father gets home. That, yeah. I'd be like, no, I'd be like, I'll clean, I'll kiss your feet. Because yeah. if he knew, it was over. And I think that that's gone away in this in the, in this culture now is you can't even you can't even tell them anything because they'll, they'll get snitched. How much, like, you can't, he told me this, he told me that, he touched me. How much of this has to do with technology and the fact that we don't spend enough time I, big. Know, talking mm -hmm. and, and sharing big. these ideas? They just throw an iPad at them. The, Take the, this. Go the, people, the uh, you know, millions of people are probably going to be listening to this conversation because they don't have somebody to have a conversation with so they have to rely on Patrick and his friends to have a conversation. And to a certain extent, that's great because at least we're having a de cogent, decent conversation. But I would almost encourage those people once in a while to go have a conversation with your son or your uncle or your daughter or whoever because I don't think that's happening. And that's what I see out of that story out of Highland Park, Illinois, that that's not happening. When you live with a boy, because this kid was a boy, mm -hmm. and he lives in your house, and you've been there 10 years living in that house with him, and a reporter comes and asks him, tell me about him, and you say... I don't know anything about yeah, him. Right. You got a problem. Yeah. And if that's indicative of America, we got a problem. Yep. Totally agree. <clears throat> you know, uh, final thoughts here. How much of a role does the president play on how fathers lead their kids? How much credence you put on that? Or is it more TV dads? Like, you know how there was a TV dad with Will Smith's dad, whatever his name was, you know. Uh, uh, Uncle, Uncle Phil. Uncle Phil. Phil. Mm -hmm. yeah. Bill Cosby was a, you know, he was a TV dad. A lot of guys that played a mm -hmm. TV dad. How much of a role you think the president, the leader of a nation, plays on how to help raise your kids? Quite a quite a lot. What do you think? What do you, what do you think? I'm actually curious. I don't I don't know the survey, but what do you think? You're saying quite a lot. What do you think? I mean, what's, if he accepts it, what's gravi What I'm gravitating to is when uh, on the debate stage when they asked Hillary and Trump to say one nice thing about the opponent, and Hillary it's said, kids, "Yeah, you know, one thing I'll say, good nice thing yeah. I'll say about Donald Trump is at least you've raised some good yeah. kids." That's I mean, that was great. So, so if what you guys are saying is true, which a tough father produces great kids, then how would you rate Biden's style of raising kids? Not because good. so. I don't know. Not well. Because the product on how the product is doing, whether it's Hunter or all that other stuff, and then you look at a Trump or you look at Obama's kids or you look at, like, I don't see Michelle being a passive kid. A passive, uh, Me neither. Yeah, I see Michelle being tough. Fuck, I don't yeah. see Obama being tough, but I see Michelle being tough. I see Trump having they, expectations. They I see Obama's oh, I agree. Oh, yeah. I think. I mean, no, no, I, I, I agree. So to me, I don't know. 
And, and by the way, let me tell you, I don't think this is an 18-month thing since Biden's taken house. Uh, I think this has been a conversation we've gotten away from for a couple decades. You don't get to a point like this overnight. You get to a point like this, it's a gradually. gradual process yeah. of getting there. But to work it out of this place, mm-hmm. uh, it's not going to be a two-year deal, a four-year deal. Well, I think to it's use be a your decades. great expression earlier today on yeah. another matter, this man is an accidental president. So mm-hmm. to use him as an example yeah. of what's happening from the yeah. president's well, standpoint. But by, by the way, not all kids are created equal. I mean, for instance, he did lose a son, Bo Biden, who was a full-on military hero, yeah. Purple Heart, lost his life in battle. Correct. And so and that's like that's someone like example. him and the other one is a, a lot addict. different from Hunter, who's a, drug who's a full-on crackhead, yeah. who's a lot different from Ashley Biden, who literally I partied with at Tulane like back in the late 90s. That's a fair point. Who was a party girl. Like, gotcha. So not all kids are the same, just like you know, you have you have four kids. They're can not you, all exactly the same. Can you tell Meaning us about like, that party after the show? Yeah, yeah sure. I definitely want to know about that. Ashley <laughs> Biden, party girl. Look at no Vince. wonder he Hunter defends the Biden family as much as he <laughs> does. Yeah. Now it makes sense. <laughs> Ashley's <laughs> got him by, by the jaws. She's got you. Maybe. Yeah. You better or else. I will tell that story. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Well, gang, this was a blast. Rick, appreciate you for coming out. Oh, you we had a blast with you. This was great. I feel like I was with my brother. Hey, go follow the man's podcast, Rick Sanchez News on Apple Podcast. Tyler, put the link below so people can find it easily. Uh, uh, we just got a word that Boris Johnson resigned. He gave the speech, which yeah. is kind of interesting. The guy resigned. We haven't had a chance to get into it. Maybe we will next week. It and broke as, early this morning. Yeah, it broke early this morning. Story. But yeah. anyways, gang, have a great weekend. Am I in town next week? Or no, I'm back. out of town next week. We are back next Tuesday with John Paul Mac Isaac, the owner of the laptop store in Delaware Ooh. that found the Hunter laptop. Yes. Oh, my God. Oh. So that, so that's oh. Adam's going to be in Tulane, though. He's not going to be here. So <laughs> he's skipping that one. Anyways, have a great weekend. We'll see you guys Thanks, on Tuesday. Guys. Take really care. Bye-bye. Nice, Bye-bye. Everybody. Appreciate it.